This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome along to the 4am spike. Welcome along to... My God, there's some stories in the paper that's going to drive you mad today. There's one which is right at the top of my list. Uh, well, in fact, actually, there's two. Now I tell a lie, there's about three or four, actually, this one. There's so many stories that are guaranteed to get your blood pressure moving up. I don't know where to begin. Kendall Jenner apparently trying to hook up with Lewis Hamilton. But then if you read another story in one of the other papers, they're trying to hook um, Lewis Hamilton up with any woman, really, because he's, he's started going a little bit off the rails, what with his funny little hairstyle, his funny little clothes, and now they're going, uh, better find him a girlfriend quickly after Nicole Scherzinger and him kind of split up. Has Cliff Richard been driven into exile, and are you ready for chicken curry pizza? Dear God, it doesn't get worse, does it? Well, the answer is it does. We've managed to find an ice cream man who's been ripping you off for ages. Noel Gallagher, the good news of the day is that he's ruled out an Oasis reunion, and there's rain and gales heading our way. Not good, just when you feel like that. Oh, and hospitals, spending £20 million of your money on translating foreign patients. Then it's about time foreign patients started learning English. Dear me, it's like going to Germany and saying, so do you have a translator? Sorry? Do you have a translator for me? I'm English. Well, it's a German hospital. You know, luckily a lot of us speak English as well. You know, it's ridiculous. Why are we doing this? It's just bone bloody idleness as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Roger Federer, bit of a bit of a tantrum the other day. Some kid runs onto the court to try and get a selfie. And quite rightly, Roger Federer goes, why don't you just get them off my court? Which is good. But then there's an even worse couple in the paper today. Welcome to the world of the thieving toe rags. So there's a little boy. He's a football-loving youngster. And he thought he'd bagged a Wembley goalscorer's shirt. He was in bits when it was torn from his grasp by a, by a chav. There's a picture of her, presumably with her husband, who's got the matching chav outfit, which is tracksuit top and bottom. This was uh, supporters up in arms. Ted Dockray, who's eight, was thrilled when he caught the shirt thrown into the crowd by Preston North End's Jermaine Beckford. The sub-striker had scored a hat-trick during his team's 4-0 win over Swindon, and when he sat down, he peeled off the top and he threw it towards a group of youngsters. Video footage shows Ted, in yellow T-shirt, appearing to catch it. Moments later, this old chav goes over there and takes it from him. Takes it from him. I'd have decked her. I'd have decked her immediately. The 31-year-old woman last night refused to answer questions. Of course she did. She had it up on Gumtree. For 1,500 quid. She stole it from him. She stole him. Ted's aunt, Helen, says Ted was clearly the last one of his hands on that shirt. Ted had watched the match with his brother. And uh, this woman... How can she steal from an eight-year-old boy? Well, looking at her, she looks like she thieves from eight-year-old boys, which is what the camera have caught her doing. A spokesman for Preston North End said, if the young man makes himself known to the club, we'll get Jermaine to present a second Wembley shirt to him. But look at this thieving little toe rag in the paper. And here's, here's the man who takes it from him and gives it to her. She was nowhere near it. Nowhere near, not surprised he sort of looks at it. And the man, I don't know who he is, whether he's his father, I don't know what who he is, we can't work out. This woman is grinning all over her fat face. She's got the obligatory pink uh, sort of... Um, all in one little onesie, sort of tracky suit kind of thing. Generally worn by chavs. You don't find anybody with any class wearing a pink track suit, ladies and gentlemen, do you? And here she is, thieving from a little lad. Absolutely appalling. Absolutely appalling. I hope she's gonna, I hope people go round and egg her house today. Because you'll know who she is. I mean, loads of people have actually written, how can you thieve 
from a child. Well, quite clearly she can. She doesn't have any qualms about it whatsoever. Give it to me. Give it to me or I'll punch your lights out. What a horrible piece of woman she is. What a horrible piece of woman. Nasty little Mrs. Woman. Anyway, hopefully she'll be named and shamed tomorrow. She'll probably turn out to be on benefits or something. You've just got this feeling there's a pattern emerging, isn't there? Somebody you could steal from a child. Why would you, you know, that would ruin somebody's day. Well, I'll tell you what, lovey. By tomorrow, we're going to be ruining your day as well. She'd refuse to answer questions. I think you will be. I think we'll find out all about you by tomorrow. We'll know where you live. We'll know what sort of person you are. I wonder what you, what you do for a living. I wonder what you do for a living. That's the bit I can't wait to find out about. The family of the cyclist who hit the toddler. We did him yesterday. Sorry to mention him twice. I don't normally do twice in, uh, in, in a week. But uh, he claims his life, as you know, has now been destroyed. This is drip of the moment, Andrew Holland, who said that footage which shows him colliding with this girl has led to verbal attacks and threats. Yeah? You sound surprised. You sound surprised. You can't be that dim. You can't be. He's a graduate in computer games. He said the CCTV footage does not show a hit and run as claimed and only a shortened version had been shown publicly. He said he'd apologised in an email to the family and twice gone to the police after she was taken, the little girl Lucy, to a hospital in Blackpool with cuts. Mum Lauren says he started swearing at us. The next thing we knew he'd gone and we've not heard from him since. His mother, though, said so he owned up straight away. I bet he did. I bet he did, because they got him on CCTV. He dragged a little girl along the pavement. I couldn't care less what it showed. He's a 23-year-old supposed adult, and he dragged a little girl along the pavement. He shouldn't have been on the pavement in the first place. It's about time we started shooting cyclists. I know it seems a bit draconian. I mean, perhaps shark filled with piranha? That'd be a good one. I don't know. I'm just getting sick to death of it. It is illegal for cyclists to be on the pavements. There's, there's, no, there's no two ways about it. It's not negotiable. It's not something where you sit down and go, well, I tell you, uh, you went on the pavement because a car was getting very close to you. No, cyclists are not like, you know, I'm not allowed to walk down the middle of a motorway. It's called common sense. It's called being an adult. It's called being intelligent. But so many cyclists now, and there's some lovely cyclists out there, some lovely cyclists, but there's a lot of thickos. There's a lot of thickos, you know. They don't pay a penny piece to be on the roads. We're expected to maintain the road for them. So when they say that there are potholes on the road, well, put your hand in your pocket and pay for them. Put your hand in your pocket and pay for them. That would make it a lot uh, a lot more sensible, wouldn't it? Spends whining on like sort of little girls' blouses. Oh, bottles in the road. Well, fill them in. We have to pay road fund licence. Why shouldn't you? You're using the road the same as we are. I always smile when I see a cyclist who got a puncture. Don't know why. Can't help it. It's just something inside of me. It just makes me feel quite... T- I always think there is a God. There is a God. And the God will be looking down... At us this morning and looking in the newspaper and he's going to find this woman in the pink tracksuit who thieves this T-shirt from this little lad with the help of some... He looks a bit thuggy, the bloke. How's he taking it off an eight-year-old boy? Luckily, he's been going to be given another one. So that's good news, isn't it? I like that. I like that idea. Excuse me, just have a... Oh, it's delicious. Do you know, something about coffee first thing in the morning that I don't know what's in it that gets you going, but it does work. It does work. Talking of things working... The weather worked yesterday. It was lovely. I did... What the dickens did I do yesterday? I'm trying to think what I did yesterday, actually. Oh, what, that's, oh I know. I know. I sort of... Uh, I promised to go and get my friend Cassia some water. Some of this smart water, which everybody seems to be drinking at the moment. It's only a phase. Don't worry. We'll all go back to Evian shortly. And because um, there is a bewildering array of waters out there. Have you been into... There's so many different... I thought water was water. But I'm now drinking this... Uh, Glasso Smart Water, but it's made by Coca-Cola. Well, I say made by Coca-Cola. They say inspired by clouds. 
Right. OK. <laughs> it's just quite a pretty bottle. So I bought two bottles that yesterday and some sweets for them for the hairdressers because every time kids have their hair cut, they have a, a dip in the lucky jar and they can take out a packet of sweets, whatever it happens to be. And so I thought, I'll nip down the motorway and I'll go and do that. And so I set off down the motorway and it all was going quite well until all of a sudden we hit a traffic jam. And I thought, oh, you know when you hit the traffic jam? And just sitting there. It's all right if you've got the radio or you've got... I was listening to the radio, so that, that was fine. And it's, it's close enough to London so I can pick up LBC. I'm sitting there and sitting... There, and I've got the car in front of me that when the car in front of them moves, the car in front of me just moves a little bit. In other words, it can't keep up with the car in front. And it was driving me mad. It was, I was shouting obscenities out of the window like there was no tomorrow. I'm waving my fist at them. I'm doing everything. Everything that you can possibly think of, which is the kind of thing which raises your blood pressure in the car. I'm the person doing it. You know, there's other cars passing me, and I try and pretend I'm on the telephone. Yes, I'm going, yeah, so, so. Having these imaginary conversations. In the meantime, I'm looking at this car in front of me thinking, keep up! Because if everybody did that, the tailback goes back miles. It was bad enough as it was. And I thought, I know what's going to happen. All of a sudden, the traffic's going to speed up and there's going to be no accident. Whereas there had to be. What was it? It was a car that looked like it was either running out of petrol and the police were behind it and he was pootling so slowly off the motorway. I thought it would have been easier for the police to tow him. A lot easier. And that was the hold-up. That was the hold-up. Which I was... I'm always amazed. You know, whenever you sit there and you sit in a traffic jam, and then all of a sudden it's clear. And you, and you pootled, and you think, well, what was that all about? And yesterday it was this bloke who I think was either running out of petrol or he was, he, he was doing something. I can't remember what it was, but it just held everybody up. And, of course, what you really want to do is sort of shout out the window at him. <laughs> Buy a decent car next time. That's the sort of thing I want to. Uh, Carol says, uh, am I dreaming? Did I just hear that living near a main road can make you fat? Yeah. Yeah, apparently so. Apparently so. I don't know how it works out or how how things like that happen. I was watching a program with uh, with uh, with the good doctor from Embarrassing Bodies, and it was about very fat people who were all standing there with their clothes off, which was a bit gross. And then there were very thin people who one of them was a hairdresser, and he proudly told us halfway through he was gay, like we'd never guessed, and um, and he said that he couldn't put on weight. In fact, he didn't want to eat. He said, you can't stop in the middle of hairdressing and, uh, and have something to eat. So, in fact, he didn't bother half the time. He had a bowl of cereal in the morning, which is always good to have. And then sometimes he had to find time during the daytime to actually have a sandwich. And his grandmother used to make a sandwich. He's obviously pretty useless. You'd think he could have got up and made himself a sandwich, but obviously not. So his gran takes him in a sandwich every day and he goes, oh, so what is it today? He's one of life's, you know, sort of funny people who can't actually be bothered to do it, but eat it if somebody else makes it. And then they had a bloke who was, I think, about 26 stone, and then you looked at what he ate. He was eating Big Macs. I mean, after he'd had tea at his mum's place, he ordered a Chinese takeaway. After he'd had his tea, and he had Kung Po chicken, which is chicken in sort of like a batter with a sauce, with um, egg, fr- a, f- a fried egg roll, and some other food as well. This is after he'd eaten at his mother's. And when he was eating pizza, it was almost, I felt physically ill looking at it. And then they put a breakfast in front of this thin bloke and said, this, this is what somebody eats. He said, oh, God, he said, it makes me ill looking at it. Because it does. When you look at a greasy breakfast, at the time, of course, you think it's fantastic. But this, this, this poor lad was nearly sick looking at it. Interesting, isn't it? In a moment, the, uh, the Beckhams. 
They're definitely separate lives, you know. They're definitely... It's got to be, judging by this this picture, this picture says it all. Quarter past four. This is L... Nick Ferrari at breakfast on LBC. Plans to make it a criminal offence for businesses to recruit abroad without advertising in the UK first. Claude Littner is an entrepreneur. It's a bit rich to then ask employers to um, advertise in the UK before they advertise abroad for um, staff that they find are absolutely essential to their businesses. Have you gone on the straight and narrow? No, we haven't. You know me. Well, why not? Because, I'm, I'm, do you know what it is, Nick, mate? I'm just struggling. Oh, God, I've done nearly two years in prison for shortlisting. I never get let off for anything. Well, it's because you won't learn the lesson, you silly so-and-so. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Every weekday morning from 7 on LBC. With Hampton by Hilton. With over 2,000 hotels worldwide. He's far too caring, Nick Ferrari, really. Me, I'm sorry, somebody's been in prison for two years for thieving. I went, you silly thing, he goes. Like it's something, you know, he's thieving. Grief, honestly. Nick Ferrari for Saint. And uh, with Nick and breakfast this morning at seven, as the body of the triple murder suspect Jed Allen is found, what should we make of the bizarre video messages that he posted online? That he was crackers, I think. Absolutely crackers. I had a feeling yesterday they weren't going to find him alive, put it that way. If he was mad enough to murder three people, he was probably quite sane enough to take his own life. Could jihadists returning to Britain be plotting a terrorist attack using a chemical found in your fridge? Blimey. And Nick will speak to a woman who says it's perfectly normal she still breastfeeds her seven-year-old daughter. Makes you feel somewhat queasy, doesn't it? Nick Ferrari this morning from seven. After the morning news with Lisa Aziz, Claire Fogis, the former Prime Minister's speech, speechwriter, is going to be looking at the papers today. There is a lovely picture of the Beckhams, you know, because they're so publicity shy. You know, don't take a picture, don't take a picture. What do you mean you're not taking a picture? Take a picture. And here they are, out, uh, out in, a, in a punt in Cambridge, I think which was lovely, and um, it's a very telling picture, because here they are, they've got people punting them up and down. It's, it's, it's quite a good, a lot of students do it in Cambridge, and you just sort of lie there and they punch you up and down this bit of river. It's a bit naff, really. But, uh, but the, the Beckhams obviously liked it, yeah, but that cost them a, a pretty penny, probably about 40 quid a boat each, which is nothing to them. But it's telling for the fact that, uh, that Dave, with his flat cap on, it's so funny, you know, middle of summer, he's still wearing the Hovis advert, uh, is with his son... And a couple of other people, I've got no idea who they are. And in the other boat, looking wistfully into the distance, is Victoria. It's like Billy No Mates. She's sitting there like, I've got nobody to talk to. Because she, she's in a boat with, uh, with Harper and Sister Louise and somebody else. And she's probably thinking, I've got nothing in common. What am I doing here? What am I doing here? I'm Victoria Beckham. And she looks, whereas Dave appears to be in an animated conversation. It's all a bit strange, really. You'd thought that... You know, Dave and Vic would want to be in the same boat, wouldn't you? That would be quite a nice thing. And stick the boys in the other boat. But no, Vicky's sitting there with her knees drawn up underneath her, wishing to be anywhere else but in a boat in Cambridge without Dave. Because he's in the other boat. I don't know. Oh, look, again, George Clooney and Amal on the red carpet yesterday. They were at the premiere of the film Tomorrow in Tokyo. She's wafer thin, isn't she? I don't think she eats anything. Perhaps we should start sending food. I've never seen anybody look so thin. But she's obviously loving the attention and the limelight. So very shortly she'll probably give up doing what she's supposed to be doing and she'll just sort of cling on to his arm. It's all a very, very peculiar thing. Apparently Ian reckons that the, uh, the woman who uh, is seen taking that football shirt off that young lad has been named already on the Daily Mirror and Mirror website. Vicky Timbrell. 
A 31-year-old mother of two from Manchester. Does she have a job? Does she work? Or does she just sort of take stuff from children and then sell it on Gumtree? 1,500 quid on Gumtree, poor little lad, honestly. It's a shame that, you know, he didn't turn around and thwack her on the legs or something. But it's the bloke in the tracksuit. I don't know whether it's his father. I don't know who he is. But he sort of takes it off him and gives it to this woman. You know, it's just, it's not on, really. And then within a matter of hours, she's got it up on Gumtree for sale. Horrible piece of work. Poor little lad, honestly. Poor little so. Uh, Mick Jagger pays a poignant tribute to his late girlfriend, Loren Scott, by wearing a red feather cape based on a black version she designed for him. She was obviously emotionally disturbed, wasn't she? I mean, quite clear. We know that she had huge money troubles and uh, things like that. But he did six costume changes, the Rolling Stones. I'm amazed they're still... I mean, what's keeping them going? Is it formaldehyde? I mean, what keeps him... He's about 70-something, isn't he? 70... Oh, he's 72 next month. And, um... It's, it's, it's nice they were all there. Ronnie Wood looked like he was having the time of his life, smoking the odd cigarette when the camera wasn't looking. Keith Richards jumping around in his usual style. And, uh, and drummer Charlie Watts as ever being himself at the back of the stage. 20-song show, finishing up with, um... I think, uh, Can't Get No Satisfaction. Even strutted down a, down an extended catwalk, which was to the delight of the forty-two thousand strong audience. Not bad, is it? I mean, to be honest with you, still play, but he doesn't know anything else. What does he do? He doesn't. He doesn't do anything. He he just lives for playing. He lives for you know going out in front of a big crowd of people and having a nice time. That's all he does. And if if that's what keeps him happy, good for him. Good for him. I love it. Uh, 84850, steve at uk, and we shall punt everything through the programme. Uh, listening on the uh, on their app in Nigeria, who did Katie Hopkins stand in for yesterday? Uh, she stood in for James O'Brien. Is there a podcast? I'm assuming there is. I think, actually, she um, some listeners managed to convince her to think otherwise on something. I think she was talking ADH. I think it was that she was talking about. Anyway, whatever it was, some listeners phoned up and uh, uh, correctly uh, put her put her right, and she seemed to go along with it. So, uh, exit very happy listeners, very happy bunnies. I picked up some magazines the other day, because I like to pick up magazines just to find out what's, what's actually going on. And so I picked up New Magazine, where it's sort of got things like Charlotte Slate's Lauren, uh, Inside Jerry's Star-Studded Wedding to Christian... Right. It was about as low rent as Michelle Keegan's. Michelle Keegan's. Jordan's new body. She can't get arrested. She's, honestly, I feel really embarrassed for her. At one time, Jordan was everywhere. Now she can't get anything at all. And, um, and Kerry Katona fears she might lose George. I think that's the budgerigar, isn't it, or something? I don't know. I'm really not too sure. But I did. The reason I hung on to Closer is because I was reading on the train, you know, and I was thinking to myself, I, I really must remember to read all these things out because it's got all sorts of daft things in there. They, they, they put any old, any old sort of third-rate celebrity in there, like Chloe Goodman, New Food Bites. And so she's... I don't know who she is, actually. And Lauren Goodyear has got a column, which is, which is a bit sad, really, because she doesn't actually do anything at all. I mean, she really doesn't do anything. She just sort of, she just moans about everything, which is which is deeply depressing. But anyway, she's very funny in her own sort of simple way. They always have a picture of Sam Fahir's, uh looking absolutely dreadful. She can't wear clothes for a toffee. But it wasn't that I was looking for. I was looking for a, a column. Oh, that's right. There was a picture, New Style, where they sort of put people who've been on the red carpet, like uh, Denise Van Outen, Rodi Fontescue. She was in there. Donna Eyre, or Donna No Eyre. 
and, and somebody called Laura Whitmore, who's apparently 35. 30, it says here, but I think we all know. And Fern McCann. It is really like, like sort of the Z-listers come out to play. Oh, here it is. Chantel. Chantel's column. The Big Brother fan. Now, you remember Chantel. She, hasn't, she, hasn't, she doesn't actually do anything. Uh, she went in Big Brother as some fake person years and years ago, and that was about it. Then she married poor old Preston. Poor little Preston. The man who had the sense of humour bypass. But she says here... This, this is the funniest thing. This shows how vacuous their lives are. It's my brother's girlfriend Sam's birthday this week, and we're going to Sheesh in Chigwell. Sheesh is this restaurant which invites all the Z-listers in. I mean, frankly, you wouldn't want to go there in a million years because you'd bump into people like Sean. If I walked into a restaurant and Chantel was in there, I'd turn around and walk straight out again. Why would you want to go to a place where Z-listers go? Anyway, it gets worse. It gets worse. Because her life is so empty... You know how miserable Chantelle is. You know, she's got the face like sort of the squashed pineapple inside out. Anyway, uh, we're, we're going to go to Shish and Chigwell to celebrate. Listen, listen, you have to listen to this. We rang up to book a table for Wednesday and were told it's invite only on Wednesday. It's a Turkish restaurant, invite only, OK? Uh, we were given the name of someone to follow on Twitter. And then if she followed us back, we could DM her requesting a table. She says, it all sounds very exclusive. It sounds chavvy, Chantel, and it sounds just the sort of place for you. Anyway, it all sounds very exclusive, and I admit I was really pleased to get a reservation. I'll tell you all about that night next week. What, you went out and ate food off a plate. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! As I say, Chantel, we wouldn't want to go to any place that you have to DM somebody to get a... T- oh, blimey. In Chigwell? God, we're not talking Mayfair here. We're talking a Turkish restaurant. I mean, you know, we're, we're talking, you know, they'll do anything for the publicity because they're desperate. But if they if they seriously want Chantel in their restaurant, they're so low rent, I couldn't go anywhere near it. Couldn't go. And I had to save that bit for you because I couldn't believe that you had to DM somebody because Wednesday was invite only to a Turkish restaurant. Invite only. <laughs> God, I mean... Makes you just die laughing, doesn't it, really? I was going to bring you the weather, seeing as they were telling us earlier on that the weather's going to go a bit pear-shaped and you're not going to be very happy about it. And then I thought, no, it doesn't really matter, does it? It doesn't really matter about, about the weather anymore. I've, I've, I had a bit of a problem in my jacket, did I tell you? I must have leant up against something and it's bleached a little tiny bit of the pocket. And the producer thinks she's read an old wives' tale somewhere, how you can take the bleach out. But once you've bleached something in a coat, I don't know how you take it, but one of the... Um, people who was driving Katie Hopkins yesterday, Mark, he said to me, you can get some felt-tip pens and colour it in. What? I said, felt-tip pens? He said, yeah, they, they, they do special ones for clothing. And you'd sort of, you colour it in and then and then that sort of takes it. I don't know what he was talking about, really. I'd lost the will to live by the time we got to that time. So I'm not going to tell you the weather. Instead, I'm going to tell you, as, uh, as Darren did earlier, that the Pope has not seen television in 25 years. And to be honest with you, he's probably a better person for it. Much rather sort of sit down and do some serious meditation, do something nice. But the idea that they've... I mean, what sort of television do they get in Italy? It's all stripping housewives, isn't it? I don't think the Pope wants to look at stuff like that. I couldn't think that His Holiness would be sitting down. I mean, he'd, he'd probably enjoy the Borgias or something like that, or, you know, anything. <laughs> the Godfather. Imagine the Godfather. That had a nice little bit about the church in it as well, which most people thought seemed to be fairly accurate. So he hasn't watched television for 25 years. So he's obviously devoting himself. I mean, you don't really want the Pope to sit down and say, OK, what is... 
Tom and Jerry. Huh? Love Tom and Jerry. No, it's not like that at all. He studies and he meditates, and that's why he's the Pope. It's... Steve Allen on LBC. So I was trying to think of funny programmes that the Pope would not be watching on television. I, could, I, could, I was trying to think of sort of programmes that had, you know, sort of like a, a celebrity square. So it was just all nuns sitting in the, in the boxes. I thought that would be quite funny. Or sort of celebrity Big Brother, which would be a lot of people from Vatican City and a couple of choir boys looking nervous. You know, I just, I thought the whole thing, I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming as they've got Vatican City radio, they must have television. They must have, their, perhaps some nun sits there and goes, and uh, today we're going to be making apple crumble. You know, the Pope sits and goes, write this one down, I like apple crumble. <laughs> Just see it, can't you? I love a text like this. I tell you, it, it, it only goes to prove that there really are some dumb people out there, and they vote. And this one's called Vic. He says, your weather prediction for yesterday was completely wrong, as you predicted rain. This ruined my work plan. I don't think he understands the word ruined. My work plan for yesterday. Please, Steve, check your source in the future. You may gossip for your earnings to pass your time, but that should not affect others. Please be responsible. I'm glad I ruined your day. I'm really, really pleased. I'm so delighted. I'm so... What are you? Sort of, you know, a traffic warden or something. Do you get... Do you not get wet popsicles? Isn't it lovely, honestly? I tell you what, there are terminally stupid and they are living in Harrow this morning. I'm so glad I ruined your day. I couldn't be happier. Do you know, I'm going to do a little dance to celebrate later on. We ruin Vic's day. God, and ever. You, you can't be an adult because you, no, no adult would use the word hi. And also, you can't spell, so I'm assuming... You haven't just arrived from Sanget, have you, or something like that? Because your English is appalling, you know, and not really... And then you've also used... Uh, please, PLS. So it makes me think that you're one of those doolally people who sits there in front of a computer. So I'm going to I'm going to put you out of your misery, and you know I can put you out of your misery. Is that funny? You must check your sources. <laughs> what should we ask God? Let's ask God, shall we? Uh, Ian says if the pavement cyclist who hit the toddler thinks he has enough problems, I've got three words for him: personal injury lawyers. I know. I mean, he's now blaming everybody except himself. Blame me. He was cycling on the pavement. I mean, that, as far as I'm concerned, is generally a hanging offence. Anybody who cycles on the pavement. I mean, I've been on the pavement before and cyclists have rung their bell because they tend not to have bells on cycles now. And yet when I was younger, we all had but you'd be ringing it constantly. And do you remember you used to put a piece of cardboard? My, my brother reminded me of this the other day. You put a piece of cardboard with a peg on your wheel and as it goes round, it goes <laughs> makes it sound like an engine. Not do that? No, just me again. But uh, no, we all used to do that. But somebody rang their bell behind me. I just totally ignored them. Totally ignored them. I'm not giving up the pavement space to let some dodo bird on a bicycle go past me. Definitely not. Kevin the Milton says, just how far away is close to a main road? This is the story about if you live near a main road, you get fat. He says, I'm about 400 yards from Southern Way in Harlow. Can't hear any traffic, mind you, but does that give me an excuse? I mean reason for my rounded body shape. <laughs> I think it's food. I think it's food. That's what it is. But at least you're brave enough to get your legs out. I mean, I seriously, I wouldn't, I would never think of walking down the high street in Twickenham in a pair of shorts. Seriously, I mean, people would be pointing and laughing. I seriously could not, I, I mean, you know, if somebody says to you, I'll, I'll, I'll bet you £10,000 that you would, I mean, I wouldn't take the money. I know you think I, I would, but I wouldn't. I'm absolutely. I'm not motivated by money at all. And uh, Tony says you must get a DAB radio in your Bentley. Then of course you can hear LBC UK wide. Well, I'm not going to be driving around the UK anytime soon, am I? I? Only go down to Southampton, and I get it for most of the way down. 
which is actually not too bad. I hope, tree, I hope Gumtree pulls the sale of the football shirt, says Phil, and a handful of drawing pins in front of cyclists. Oh, we couldn't advocate that. That would be terrible. That would make us as bad as the motorists who are trying to kill them. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you could, it's, 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 it's really interesting. It's really interesting when, when you think that we do have cyclists on the pavement in this country. And I think we must be about one of the only countries that actually has cyclists on the pavement. I don't think anybody else has that at all. I don't think so. I can't think of any other place. I mean, I've been to Holland and Germany and Austria. Nobody cycles on the pavement. They cycle on the roads. Why is it here they do it? Ignorance. Ignorance. Uh, 84850, Andrew says, uh, producer of At Steve Allen Show, why can't Steve Allen confess he led the unseating of Uncle Vince Cable? Well, that was a bit... I was talking to somebody about that the other day. I was talking to somebody about that. And, um, and we all decided that people had had enough of Vince Cable. I correctly, inc- sorry, incorrectly predicted he would go to the House of Lords. But of course he can't. Because he voted against the House of Lords some years ago. So he would be a, a complete turncoat if he decided to take the golden shilling and go and sit in the House of Lords for 300 quid a day. But uh, no, the major- he, he just was unseated. 18 years, the good burghers of uh, Twickenham and Richmond got rid of him. I think they'd had enough. He's also so advanced in years now, he can't be doing his job properly. People say, oh, he was, he was crying. I think people got to the voting booth and I think they sat there, well, stood there, and they looked at it and they went... No, not Lib Dem again. And that was the that was the effect across the country. That was that was nothing to do with anything. It wasn't even I don't think even people thought about it. I was talking to a lady the other day at the Twickenham Fair and she said that she drove down a road, she said, and there were three people that had Vince Cable placards outside, votes vote Vince Cable. You didn't see any for the Conservatives or for anybody else at all. She said, But I knew that two of those those people who had the signs up weren't going to be voting for Vince Cable. Is that funny? Complete turnaround. Complete. And, the, and the same for, uh, for everybody. The same for everybody. It was, it was, you know, across the country, people just gave up with the Lib Dems and they just, they just collapsed. Just collapsed completely. I thought some of them would have been in. Pete says, so the Pope has never watched Father Ted. I never. <laughs> Do you think he'd understand it? Do you think even, you couldn't even, can you imagine translating something into Italian? Can you imagine trying to do that with subtitles? Would it work? Would it work? If you get fat living near a main road, says Dell, then Gemma Collins must live on the M25. Very cruel, isn't it? She can't help being fat. She overeats. I wonder if they have a Vatican version of Tower or Benefit Street. I think the whole of Vatican City. A few years ago, it was going bankrupt. They couldn't manage their finances. There was so much corruption inside Vatican City. I mean, it was like a little mafia state. They've got their own police force. They've got everything separate. Everything's separate. They, they do what they want to do and, and get away with it most of the time. It's a, it's a strange world. Fascinating to see. Fascinating to see. I mean, really, really fascinating to see. To go there and to go into, into the, the Basilica is absolutely wonderful. Uh, right, what else are we going to look at this one? Oh, yes, the, there is um, a story that's running on most of the papers today. And it's the old story of Dignitas. And this is a, a father of three, Geoffrey Spector, 54 he had uh, an unoperable tumour, and he decided that uh, he was going to take his own life. For the sake of his family, he didn't want to, he said, wake up one morning and not be in full control of his faculties. He didn't want to get to that stage where he couldn't hold a knife and fork, and he didn't know what was going on around him. So he'd, um, he'd been in contact with Dignitas over five years. This is where people go to end their life. 
and it's a decision that they take. Uh, you go there. It's a very plain, ordinary-looking place. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be anything else. Uh, and they go there with, you know, fellow members of the family or whatever it happens to be. And they drink, and they have to drink it themselves. They have to drink this lethal cocktail of drugs which sends them to sleep and then effectively just stops their heart. But they have to hold the glass. Nobody's allowed to help them with it. It has to be done like that. And he decided to have his last supper and um, and then went to Dignitas and ended his life. And that's what he wanted to do. And I, I think there's probably quite a number of people listening. It's, it's all well and good for people to say, well, you know, I don't want to lose my father, I don't want to lose my mother. But if they're suffering in such a way as he was, and it got to that stage where he just couldn't go on anymore, and he didn't want to suffer, and suffering for some people goes on endlessly, he decided the best way out, and the family were with him, so that he had his, uh, his final family meal. 16 hours later, he ended his life at the suicide clinic, and upset though the family were, they've said in all the papers he, he did what he wanted to do and we know that he's happiest now because he's at peace and he was suffering before. It's a very touching story. Nobody can fail to be moved by it because you've probably been in a similar situation yourself where you think, if ever I get to that stage, would I want to go to Dignitas? Would I want to, you know actually end up taking my own life. And people do. People get very depressed about it. He did it in the best way he thought possible, which was going to a, a clinic. I mean, I should imagine eventually we will have them in this country. But they, yeah, they really have to vet people. You know, you can't just do it for sort of the sake of just doing it. They've got to make sure that everybody's in agreement. It's all it's quite complicated. It's not just a simple matter of, of going in there, drinking something and taking your own life. It doesn't work like that. It's very, uh, very complicated. He says, I'm not scared. I know I'm going early, but it's in my family's best interest. They have a lovely house and uh, lots of people are then talking. Every time this uh, this happens, they always find people in favour and people not in favour. You know, Christian Action Research and Education says it's regrettable when we hear of cases such as this. And they say we believe that no matter how difficult circumstances are, human life has an inherent value to it. And it's precious because of that reality, which, of course, is absolute codswallop. Codswallop. It might be. But he was suffering and he didn't want to suffer anymore. So human life might be. They say, as a society, we don't think we should legalise assisted suicide. Well, you wait till you're in that situation. And you're in agony. And you're crying out for help. And there's dignitas there. This man had three daughters and a loving wife. And, uh, and they, they did a nice tribute to him. Afterwards, his daughter Courtney did a nice thing about him. That's what made them... You know, I don't want somebody else deciding my life, thank you very much indeed. Certainly no Christian action, research and education. I'm not interested. Couldn't care less. Go whistle Dixie up a tree somewhere. Couldn't care less about it. They say the focus as a nation should be on helping people to live, not die. It was inoperable. He had a tumour. There was no operation that could save him in exactly the same way that uh, we have a piece with Ian Dale's programme, which is uh, Joe Pike, one of our former producers at LBC. His other half, Gordon, is dying. He's got motor neurons. He's dying on a daily basis. Every day, something else is happening. There is no cure. There is nothing you can do about it. There is nothing that any doctor, you know, with the best will in the world... The other day, Gordon fell out of his wheelchair. And he had to wait for somebody to come back and put him back in it because he can't do it. He can't hold a fork now. He can't... He's only a young man. He's only late, late 20s. Seriously, I mean... And he's deteriorated since Christmas. Christmas, I saw him, and we went for some breakfast at Bill's. 
And he said, you know, very shortly I'll be in a wheelchair. And it was it was that cut and dried. And he's now in a wheelchair. He relies on people around him to help him in and out of the wheelchair to do things for him. He's dying. There is no, there's no easy solution on this one. No easy solution. And people around him are the ones who have to pick up the pieces. They're the ones who are left afterwards. It's so difficult. It really is. If you, if you get a chance to catch it, it's on the LBC website. I think it's available as a podcast where he's talking about his, his life and how it's changing. And he has no control over it. No control at all. Uh, Charlotte says, have you been to Costco in Southampton? Um, no, but somebody told me they're opening one in Sunbury. They get closer and closer to me. I love them. I do, lo- <laughs> I do love them. And um, uh, Christine says, uh, an indelible pen used for the name on kids labelling for uniforms. I know the bleach problem on Sun's T-shirts. Well, apparently the producer, she started going online to find out solutions. And one of them is alcohol. And she started explaining. I said, no, 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 you've missed the point. The idea is you drink alcohol until you're completely blotto and then it doesn't make any difference whether you've got bleach on any of your clothing at all. I've had it before. I've had it on T-shirts and things like that. And then she said, no, you dab alcohol. Wait for this. This is what she's read. You dab alcohol around the bleached area and the colour from the item bleeds in. To, I mean, how this works, I've got no idea. Anyway, I'm going along with it because it keeps her happier. So the colour from the item bleaches through uh, the alcohol that you put around it. You sort of put it on with a little swab. So she's really going for it. And uh, and then apparently the colour just magically comes back again. And you could bleach... Or failing that, we could just bleach the whole jacket, couldn't we? I'll just put it in a sink with some bleach on it and see what it comes out like. They used to do that years ago. And do you know what they used to call it? Tie-dye. Do you remember tie-dye? You must remember tie-dye. Well, you got a T-shirt and you knotted it and then you put string on it and then you did it in different colours. And then when you undid it, it all was... It was really horrible. Really hard, but still alive and well in Australia, ladies and gentlemen. They still love their, their tie-dyes. And even as we speak, there are people bleaching their, their coats and jackets. 14 to... Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 10 to 6. No, it's not. It's 11 minutes to 5. <laughs> For the life out of you, didn't it? People said, what do you mean 10 to 6? Can you imagine? There used to be, I told you, a famous radio presenter who couldn't tell the time. People used to sit there waiting for the incorrect time checks. We had it on LBC some years ago. Everybody used to claim claim it. That was me doing it. That was me doing it. And I remember it was somebody doing the... I think it was Barry Jordan, actually. A guy called Barry Jordan. Uh, Steve, sort of uh, Vatican television, Celebrity Big Brother. That would be Celibacy Big Brother. (laughs) Apparently, they do have television. Somebody told me there uh, there is Vatican radio... And via the internet. Also, Catholic TV channel uh, and a radio channel. Both TV and radio is 24 hours. I normally watch the TV channel to watch the Mass, says Tony, an Irish Catholic in southwest London, you poor soul, honestly. Imagine having to watch the Mass on television. <laughs> there must be somewhere you can go. Dreadful. And, um, and somebody else was uh, talking about uh, the idea of a Vatican radio phone in. Great caller, Benny in Holy City on Talk Francis yesterday. You can just imagine it, can't you? <laughs> and uh, Nicholas says, uh, we went to Hampton Court. Fantastic place, but what a palaver with the car parking. pound fifty an hour. I didn't have the right change, so I had to ring a telephone number, register the car, and then pay by debit card. What would happen if somebody didn't have a mobile phone? Um, oh, well, you didn't have the right change. Well, you didn't have pound fifty on you, or £3, or £4.50. Because I've, I've had no trouble. I've, I can't remember how I parked last time I went to... Hampton Court. I can't remember how I paid for the car park. I don't, I don't remember it being complicated, having to register the car. I've registered the car for, for in town. 
And uh, so that means that whenever I pull in and it's got one of those things, I just sort of go in there and it goes, would you like to park car number M? And you go, yes. How many minutes? And I always go over that. I always do. I mean, that's why you you end up paying through the nodes, don't you, for parking in London? Probably the same around the country. I generally do 180 minutes, which just about covers me from lunch. So that's about three hours. Kevin the Milkman says, change the producer. One that is so reckless with alcohol has no empathy with all of your listeners. I think she's a secret lemonade drinker. Uh, Dom and Dom, listening to the great show. Love you. Actually, today I've got to go to Byfleet. Byfleet I've got to go to. Because I ordered some stuff from uh, from Japan. And they FedExed it. I paid for it to come by FedEx. Of course, FedEx won't leave it. You know, th- all they've got to do is post it through the, the door. It's not complicated. But anyway, so um, you then have to call up a number. And you then got to find the place. And it's in Byfleet. I think I've been there before. And then you have to turn up and then they go and find your little parcel. So I've, I've pre-registered that today I'm going to do it. And I'm going to drive to Byfleet. So that'll be early hours of this morning. Well, I said the early hours of morning, about nine o'clock this morning. I shall nip over there and go and uh, pick up my little parcel. That's the trouble. You have something fedex You just wish that you were in all the time. But, you know, you aren't, are you? People, people end up going out and staying away. Uh, Steve, Vince Cable's not going to the House of Lords because he voted against it. Yes, yes, I know. Uh, that other famous politician who was anti-House of Lords was John Prescott. Oh, I know, old champagne socialist John. We remember him very well. He, he, he wanted his wife to be called Lady Pauline. Yes, John Prescott, the man who ate all the pies and the egging and just about everything else he can get his hands on and then turned up on Mr and Mrs and we suddenly realised what a boring man he is. He wouldn't accept a peerage, but he's now Lord Prescott of Hull. I know, it's, it's, it's a bit worrying, isn't it, really? But there again, the, you know, don't, don't do as I do. Do as I say. It makes it so much easier. Oh, I think that was my tummy again, actually. Apparently, I've just read that a rumbling tummy is a muscular contraction that cleans the stomachs as in. So a rumbling tummy is a good thing. I've t- I remember doing something once, and I went through a phase. I couldn't stop my stomach rumbling. Seriously, it was like the internal waterworks of the entire Essex County Council. It was just dreadful. You sort of sit there and people write in going, I can hear your tummy rumbling. And you go, I can't do anything about it. I've got no control over what's taking place on the inside, let alone what's taking place on the outside. It just goes for it. I don't know why. I've got no idea what's going on there. But it does sometimes. It sounds like it's all rushing down different pipes, doesn't it? Well, that's what it... That's what it sounds like to me, anyway, and I'm, I'm at this end of it. Daily Mail today, The Last Supper, that's on the, uh, that's on the front page. Nigel Slater asking, why do we eat more ethnic food than British? I suppose because nobody knows what British food is. Does anybody know what British food is? Do we all think it's roast beef and Yorkshire pudding? Do we think it's that? Do we think it's fish and chips? What do we think? What do we think English food is? I don't know what English food is. Boiled beef and carrots, I suppose. That would be... British. Uh, the story that we ran with yesterday on LBC makes the papers again today, and I'm delighted, actually. It's uh, the Bangladeshis who flew to the UK for one day to claim benefits. What they did, they flew in from uh, Italy. Uh, they settled there and obtained EU citizenship. They would fly to Stansted Airport in Essex on their Italian passports, attend a job centre interview to get a UK national insurance number. With that number printed on a fake wage slip and using bogus addresses, such as an East London flat, they could exploit rules allowing EU citizens to apply for handouts. Each claimant received an average of £9,000. The system is that easy, Mr Cameron, to cheat. The system is that easy. You know, when you've got bent people working in the benefits offices, it's even easier. 
Even easier. 400 people all lived, apparently, at the same address. And uh, it's very interesting, because what they do is set up companies that make it sound as though they're really looking after people. They're just milking the system. They're doing something that's so easy to do. Um... New Newham and Tower Hamlets are now examining if they too were victims. Redbridge's council cabinet member, Cam Rye, uh, says when people commit fraud against the council, they steal from you, your friends, the family and the community. Fraud takes money away from the vital services. But it's so easy to do, isn't it? That's all they had to do was fly in, register an address which was put up by some old fraudster. 400 people living in the same flat. And it was only then that they realised, somebody noticed, wait a minute, this is the same address. The same address for all these people. And they claimed up to £9,000. They reckon they could have milked millions of pounds in housing benefits. That's how bad it is. That's how easy it is in this country. There's a, there's a woman in one of the papers today. I can't remember which paper she's in. But uh, she was another one that sort of got my, got my goat a little bit. I hate people who, who cheat the system. I really do. And this, this is a woman who's jobless. And uh, to be honest with you, and I'm not really sure what she's capable of doing, but uh, she's spending £20,000 worth of child benefits on plastic surgery. Andrea Dalzell's treatments include a boob job, facelift, Botox and something which I can't even mention on the programme. Her total cost to the public purse is far higher, with the NHS spending thousands repairing botched operations. She's on £15 a child per week on average in child benefit. She went saving in 2003. She's raked in more than twenty-two grand. She says, my kids have... Why do we pay this woman any money at all? What in God's name? She's jobless. Why are we paying her money? What is this ridiculous system in this country that, uh, that stupid women like her go out, get themselves pregnant, have children, then start claiming benefit? Why are we paying? Why is the person who got her up the duff in the first place not paying for it? Why are we paying for it? Why are we paying for it? I wouldn't mind if she looked anything, you know, half decent after having all this money spent. Dear God in heaven, I, mean, I thought it was a bad sex change. Seriously, I mean, I'm not being... She lives in a, in, in, a, in a house in Cumbria. There was another woman on the telly the other day. Another one. Doesn't work. And she was applying to the council. She's in a three-bedroom house, and she wants a five-bedroom house now, and something modern as well. Because apparently there's no, no storage space in this flat. And I'm thinking, so we've got a nation of people who can't work who sponge and uh, and then spend it all on cosmetic surgery or drinking or smoking. Or we make a programme like Benefit Street. The audience has dropped off, incidentally, on Benefit Street, I'm delighted to say. Hardly anybody's watching it now. Uh, she also wants to spend money, 3500 on a Kim Kardashian-style bum job. I mean, you know, are these people a bit sick in the head or something? I mean, so she says, when, I, when I've got enough, I'll book in over in Thailand. But because she only has one child at home in full-time education, it takes her longer to save up. I mean, why is she not working? Why is she not working? What, what, I mean, she's not disabled. There's no reason why she can't. She's spent her life on benefits. And as far as I'm concerned, if I was running the benefits office, I would be that person they would dread. Don't go in there. Steve's on today. Hello, I've come to pick up. No money. Nothing for you. Well, how are we going to eat? That's your problem. Go out and get a job. Well, I, I can't do that because I've got children to look after. Well, why is that my problem? That's your problem. You had them in the first place. Better go back to the person who got you pregnant. Get some money from them. Well, I don't know where he is now. Well, that's your problem. That's your problem. James says you can have your parcel delivered to your work address. You can pick it up when you get to work. Yes, I could have done. I could have done, but I, I, I wanted it really for, for Saturday. I wanted it for Saturday. And uh, Mary says, I have a Catholic Mass app. I use it sometimes when I'm guilty for not going out to Mass. Don't tell the Pope. I've got a hotline to him. 
I don't actually need to pick up a phone physically. Mentally, I can talk to him. Mentally. And um, something for Vatican TV, Steve? Holy Oaks. Holy Oaks would be good. Good. And can you live without a television is the big question, isn't it? If the Pope has not watched television in 25 years, he's, he must have watched television. I mean, think about it. He must have watched a news programme, surely. I mean, you don't think he sort of goes back going, oh, I look very good in that one. The Pope Mobile came out well, well, you know, that looked nice. And there's all these pictures. He must have seen a news programme. I'm sure I've seen a picture of the Pope looking at, at television. I'm sure. I'm sure they have a television. The apartments are fairly sparse, aren't they, in, in Vatican City? But he must have seen something in, on, on telly. think so? Could you live without telly? Could you actually live without the television? I'm not sure if I could live without the television, because from the moment I wake up in the morning, the telly goes on, the radio is on in the, in the bathroom, and so I've, I'm, I'm trying to keep in touch with just about everything. News at five is coming up on LBC. The Wolverine Killer's last text. This is the man, the suspect that they were looking for. This is Jed Allen. He sent a chilling text saying, I've done something bad after slaughtering his family. I think, uh, you know, we're aware. Now, four people are dead. Uh, the last supper for the dad before he took his own life at Dignitas. Kendall Jenner, apparently trying to hook up with Lewis Hamilton. I don't think Lewis Hamilton's that interested. Uh, LA's gone wild for a dancing fat bloke. And no, it's not me. Are you ready? The supermarkets are going to entice you. Chicken curry pizza. Doesn't quite make sense to me. The ice cream man and his benefits con and lovely Anita Harris. She got a wrong diagnosis of cancer. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. On FM, online, on your mobile and on digital radio. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. I feel like sending the Pope a collection of DVDs. You know, the Bible, the greatest story ever told, King of Kings, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, Jesus Christ Superstar, all these wonderful films that he's missed out on because he's not turned the television on for ages because he turned it on years ago, 25 years ago, and realised there was nothing he wanted to see. Well, perhaps it was a bad day. Perhaps they were showing The Simpsons. Perhaps he didn't understand. But there's some really good programmes. Very educational, the television. Very. Tuesday, the 26th of May. Short week for you. Short week because you've had your bank holiday Monday and now the rain sets in. On the programme for you this morning, the Wolverine Killer's last text. The uh, Beckham's out for a day on the river. Separate boats. And uh, the last supper for the dad before he took his own life at Dignitas. All of that and more coming up. And the ice cream man, Benefit Con. Yeah, these people, we find them, we eventually get them, we're just a little bit slow. Um, and, the, and the story about Cliff Richard in the papers today, has he been driven into exile? And the answer is, probably yes. Probably yes. I should imagine Cliff Richard is feeling very sort of fed up. He's not been charged with anything at all. Nothing. Nothing at all. He's very friendly with uh, with Tony. I wondered, actually, I went, I went past somewhere the other day. Where was I in London? I can't remember. And... Um, Oh, that's right. It was off the um, off one of the main roads, off the Edgware Road. And uh, there were police about. And I said to a friend of mine, I said, uh, throw the police around. He said, Tony Blair's got a place here. I said, good Lord, has he? All these armed police were there. There must have been about four or five. 
for Tony Blair, which we're, we're paying for. They all get it, don't they, all these... And a friend of mine, he uh, used to live in a place in Harrow, I think there was a Northern Ireland minister there, and you knew it was a minister because the garage had been turned over to the police, and every time you drove past it, you could see the police standing in the garage with all this electronic stuff flashing and winking away in there. And, uh, and I always, always remember seeing that. I remember seeing police outside Margaret Thatcher's place as well. They stand there all day just because they go in and out. You'd think Tony Blair would be fairly safe to walk up and down the road, wouldn't you? Or not, as the case may be. Um, the mum's exhausted by the struggle to have it all. This is uh, this, this, this constant world we're living in now where they're always saying to you, don't wait till tomorrow, have it now. Have a credit card, have this, have that. I don't want it. Do you have a Boots card? No. Do you have an Asda loyalty card? No, I don't. I don't want anything like that. I don't want anything with my name and address on it. Thank you very much indeed. Well, you can get 10% off today. I don't care. I don't care. I'm not interested. Really not interested. Uh, the woman who uh, who snatched that Wembley-style shirt from this boy and put it up on Gumtree. He got to it first. She took it from him. She's been named and shamed. And uh, by tomorrow morning, I'll have pictures of her standing outside her house. She's got two children, and she lives in Manchester. Rain and Gales heading your way. George Clooney's back on the red carpet again. God, it gets so boring, doesn't it, really? Roger Federer, not obliging a fan who wanted a selfie. Lots of people want selfies nowadays. I was watching a, a programme with, I think it's... I might have got this wrong because I don't know anybody from the Harry Potter books, apart from Rupert Grint and Harry Potter himself and Naomi. But I think, it's this, is this Drake or Malfoy or something? Anyway, he was doing a programme on obsessed fans on the television. And uh, he, he bumped into Rupert Grint, uh, who has a fan. And it's a bloke who, everywhere Rupert Grint goes... This fan is there. He'd take a picture of him and the fans know the celebrities and the celebrities know the fans. And then he was talking to Rupert Grint, who said, he said, I'd do anything. He said, I'm, I'm obsessed with the, with the super fans. And, for, and he then told the story of he'd, he'd bumped into a drag queen who was a big fan. And he went back to her house and there were loads of other drag queens there. And they got him dressed up in drag and took him out to the local bagel shop. He said, I'm so easy. He said, I, it's, it's, uh, Daniel Radcliffe was horrified. He said, you shouldn't tell people that. Good Lord, be, all sorts of strange things can happen to you. There's all sorts of mad people out there. And it's people who literally get off on the high that the celebrity knows them. That's, that's the big thing about it. It's a very interesting programme. Very interesting. In fact, uh, this uh, Tom... I think that was his real name, went to, went to meet this super fan. She's a big super fan of Harry Potter. And, uh, and he, he was sort of trying to get out of her why she was such a big fan, you know, of my, why are you such a big fan of me, he said. And she said, because you're a nice person. She said, and I really like you. And it was borderline stalking. She had everything. She had bits that he'd signed for her, which were framed up. She had all the books, all the games, everything. She was just such a, a super fan. You have a fan and then you have a super fan. And these were super fans. These were super fans. It was very interesting. But Rupert Grint is the one who he'll practically do, he'll practically do handstands for you because he loves the whole idea of having super fans. <laughs> Bless him. So I thought that'll be a good guess for in conversation. <laughs> Very good guess. Lovely picture. I always like pictures from the Masai Mara. And um, and this is another picture from the Masai Mara. And uh, it's it was a lion who was stalking a buffalo calf. A newborn calf. It's, I mean, to a lion, a, a buffalo calf is just about a couple of mouthfuls. It's like the equivalent of having a small a small sort of cheeseburger from McDonald's. And so the uh, the buffalo saw him. And, of course, you, you don't tangle with buffalo because they, they can't... I mean, they have been killed before. But, mainly speaking, lions are petrified of buffalo. And so these buffalo charged him. 
because they all mass together. I mean, word filters through the thing, lion, get it, and it jumps up a tree. But, of course, it can't stay there because it's trying to support its weight, and the buffalo is standing round the tree. And so the lion doesn't quite know what to do. He's kind of stuck because these buffalo could trample him to death. And somebody, I think it's an ex-army official, Charles Comyn, said it was a hair-tingling moment. The lion couldn't hang for long and it was almost doomed. So he had to make one last attempt to flee because trying to hold his weight up, even with those giant claws, he was slipping down the tree. In the end, he leapt for freedom and ran from the menacing buffalo herd. And it's a great picture, great couple of pictures in the paper today. And I've seen it happening on some of these wildlife programmes where buffalo, they don't take any prisoners at all. And lions, they've been known to throw themselves in rivers to get away from them. Uh, still uh, jumping around at 71 on tour, the Rolling Stones, only because they don't know anything else. And they obviously enjoy being up there. They obviously love doing the songs. And uh, if that's what keeps them young, fair enough. Uh, Richard in Huddersfield is, is guessing at what the uh, the Pope's favourite programme would be on the television. I don't think it'd be anything with uh, anybody taking their clothes off, stripping nuns or something like that. And uh, 84850, uk. Sue says, I'm off to see your Bessie mate tonight. Psychic Sally is on at the Churchill Theatre in Bromley. We all know what you think of her, but I'm going with a complete open mind. I've never been to anything like it before, so I'm looking forward to the experience. Well, there's not much of her now because, of course, she's lost the weight. But uh, she will be doing that. He's here, darling. He's with me now. It's a bit like Dame Edna experience. It's something very similar as, uh, as she invokes the spirit of another dead person who, for some reason, has the inability to speak English to her. So she's not too sure of the names, as you will discover when you see it. It'll be quite interesting. It'll be quite interesting. But uh, as long as you keep the open mind and treat it for an entertainment, which is what it is. OK, they, they're very careful to put on the posters. It's an entertainment. OK. I don't personally believe, personally, I don't believe she's got any more power than I have. I believe it's called cold reading. I believe that you can fool some of the people some of the time. And some people, some people want to believe in that, don't they? Same as some people want to believe in the Loch Ness Monster. They want to believe in crop circles. They want to believe in ghosts. They want to believe in spirits and stuff like that. That's what they want to believe in that. There's something missing in their life. They want to believe it. And people want to believe, don't they, when somebody passes over to the other side, that in fact they're all just sitting there on a cloud uh, waiting to come back through, through Sally Morgan and tell you their story. But it's never anything particularly interesting. It's just, she always says the same thing every time. As you'll discover, listen very carefully. What you should do is record it. Record it. Because at the time you won't actually follow it because it's, it's quite misleading parts of it. And uh, we used to have one, as you know, on LBC years ago as an entertainment, not as anything serious as an entertainment. They're not allowed to say that they're talking to dead people. They have to say it's an entertainment. Whether you choose to believe it is your business. That's your, your business. I couldn't care less. Can't stand a husband. We all know what a horrible person he is after that exposure on YouTube. But if you choose to believe things like that, that's fine. I don't have a, a problem with it. I have a, a problem with people claiming that they're talking to dead people because I think we all do it. I'm constantly talking to dead people. Constantly. Kevin says, Kendall Jenner is the most beautiful female on the planet. She's far too good for Lewis Hamilton. Oh, I just think it's a bit of PR puff. I seriously did. I, I seriously thought it was PR puff. I was, I was not particularly interested. Uh, I just thought that they're obviously trying to find somebody to go out with Lewis Hamilton. They're obviously tra- He's obviously either got a new agent or a new PR. Because every day there's a story. Lewis Hamilton with another silly haircut. Lewis Hamilton with another silly outfit. Lewis Hamilton mixing with A-list stars, but always being a little bit Billy No-Mates. 
And so there's a couple of stories about him being linked with girls, but so far he's been seen with nobody. Not after Nicole Scherzinger. And, uh, and that split up, got back together, split up, got back together, split up, got back together, and then I think they split up and that was the final time, so that was quite good. But they're obviously trying to sell him and, and sort of make him into some sort of personality as opposed to a bloke who just pushes the accelerator fairly hard. I don't know, do I want something owned by Mozart? Do I want something that is so personal that, uh, that Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart would have actually owned it? And, of course, in this particular uh, thing, he did own it because it's a piece of his hair. What the uh, people used to do years ago is they used to cut somebody's hair and they would put it in lockets, which I thought was very interesting. I was reading... I, I, I can never remember if I get this story right, but I think it's the story of, um, of Anne Boleyn, who was beheaded. And in a house in London, somewhere... I can't remember which house it is. It might have been a house she stayed in. Uh, when she was beheaded, her hair was pinned up because they had long hair in those days. And I don't know, Christy might better find this on the internet, I think. And so it's, it's what it is. It's the hair grip from Anne Boleyn. And when she went onto the scaffold, their hair was pinned up and she put this pin, this grip into it to hold the hair up so that the executioner could see her neck. And that hair grip still exists. Now, that is what I think is interesting. Together with, in the Museum of London, not on public display, the hair shirt that was worn by Charles when he was executed uh, from the banqueting house, still stained with blood. They say it's the shirt he was wearing when he was beheaded. Whether it is or not, I don't know. But certainly very interesting. 5.15. Nick Ferrari at breakfast on LBC. Plans to make it a criminal offence for businesses to recruit abroad without advertising in the UK first. Claude Littner is an entrepreneur. It's a bit rich to then ask employers to um, advertise in the UK before they advertise abroad for um, staff that they find are absolutely essential to their businesses. Have you gone on the straight and narrow? No, we haven't. You know me. Well, why not? Because, I'm, I'm, you know what it is, Nick, mate? I'm just struggling. Oh, God, I've done nearly two years in prison for shortlisting. I never get let off for anything. Well, it's because you won't learn the lesson, you silly so-and-so. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Every weekday morning from 7 on LBC. With Hampton by Hilton. With over 2,000 hotels worldwide. On Nick Ferrari's uh, programme this morning at 7, as the body of the triple murder suspect, Jed Allen, is found... What could we uh, make of the bizarre video messages that he posted online? And could jihadists returning to Britain be plotting a terrorist attack using a chemical which is found in your fridge? Plus, Nick will be speaking to a woman who says it's perfectly normal. She still breastfeeds her seven-year-old daughter. Nick Ferrari after the news at seven, which is after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Looking at the papers today for Nick is Claire Foges, the former Prime Minister's speech writer. And she'll be in looking at the, uh, the papers. Just going back to Mozart's hair... Fetching, they say, there's also a lock of Ludwig van Beethoven's hair. It was quite normal for people to have things like this, and you still find them uh, out now, where they'll either weave it into a locket, or they'll use the hair to do some beautiful, intricate design. Uh, Sotheby's have said that Wolfgang Amadeus's Mozart's hair is valued around 10,000. He passed away, it's, it's what did, I, think, I think Mozart died in 17-something, and Beethoven uh, didn't die till 1827. Uh, but in 2002, another lock of Mozart's hair, passed down from the mistress of one of Mozart's sons, sold at Sotheby's for £38,000. What would you do with it? 
What would you do with this? I mean, it's, it's a fascinating thing to have. But what would you do with it? Oh, by the way, before I, before I forget, I went to the V&A Museum the other day here in London. And they're having a revamp in some of their departments. And one of them is the entertainment department. So if you're hoping to go and see one of the boxes out of one of the theatres in London, which is just sensational, uh, it's not on display at the moment. It's, uh, it's gone into mothballs and it will be back. And they will... Uh, put it back into the exhibit. But it's got lots of Kylie Minogue stuff. The one thing you'll realise, and in fact, the only reason I mention it is because we were talking about the Rolling Stones. They've got one of Mick Jagger's early jumpsuits. Well, when you see it, it's about... He must be so tiny. Because this thing is like David Bowie. There was nothing of them. I know this thing's stretched a little bit, but I promise you, this thing, I've got legs thicker. Legs thicker than this jumpsuit that he was wearing. It's in white, they've got one. I think there's a Freddie Mercury one as well. Again, all these people were, were quite tiny, and they stretched. And when I went to see the David Bowie exhibition, that was another one which was really bizarre, because all these people were so small. I kept thinking, God, I mean, it makes you feel all of a sudden terribly, terribly overweight. 84850, steve at uk, And um, another one here. Uh, Mick says, do they guard all of Tony Blair's houses? Um... I think so, yes. I think so, yes. Um, Steve says... Uh, oh, no, somebody says, your psychic voice makes me laugh. <laughs> well, that's the... Uh, that is the... I mean, I'm, I, that, that is almost accurate for Sally Morgan. Almost accurate. When she stands there and she looks at the people in the audience and says, oh, darling, he's here with me. And I'm looking at the stage going, well, perhaps I'm blind. I can't see them. <laughs> perhaps I could have a change of career. I reckon I could probably do quite well, actually. Barbara Nartway says, it's my birthday today. I'm 55. She says, the only comment I will make about getting old is where do the aches and pains come from? Ha! They get worse, they tell me. I don't know. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. And, um... <laughs> Kevin the Milton, we've already done the uh, celibacy squares for the Pope's television. 55, eh? And, uh, and Piers. Piers is in Vietnam at the moment and sent me in a lovely picture of a... Of, took it... Yes, I can't even repeat it. But it's a very funny picture. But they have all sorts of funny shop titles over in Vietnam. They're very attractive picture. I've got no idea what it is. It could be a movie or something, Piers. But it sounds wonderful. Wish I was there. D- did you go and see this this thing? I should probably did, I should imagine. I got sent all... People send me these funny road signs from around the world and funny shop signs, and half of them are totally unrepeatable. I can't mention any of these things. They're so they're so rude. And uh, George Meyer, Warby's driver, he says, it just the Sally Morgan thing cracks me up. He says, I can see him now. It is a bit... Edna, hello, darling. It's a little bit like that, only done in Sally Morgan's little vibrato. I mean, they're exactly the same if... Uh, if Anne Widdicombe was, t- was doing it as well. Anne Widdicombe, the psychic. That'd be quite funny. I quite like that idea, actually. No, I won't let them talk to you. You can imagine that, can't you? Uh, front page of the, uh, the Metro. It's another picture of George Clooney with, uh, with his wife, Amal. I think I'm now bored with seeing them. I got bored with seeing Prince Harry in the papers. I'm now a bit bored with seeing George Clooney. I'm sure that everybody finds him absolutely irresistible and she's charming and wonderful, but enough is enough. It's like seeing the Beckhams. You know, if ever I thought that David Beckham did a day's work, then, of course, I might be changing my opinion. But as it is, he only models whiskey and underpants at the moment. And also, it's been a bit quiet. Have you noticed that? They must be suffering from a dearth of publicity going out there. And the best they can get is punting on the river in Cambridge in separate punts. 
Uh, the Wolverine triple killer found dead in woodland. I think found by members of the public. The police haven't searched this particular area. They were looking for um, a tattoo, weren't they, which was on his hand, I think. Uh, it was a passerby who found him less than a mile uh, from where they were looking. Uh, here's Lewis Hamilton again. And... Uh, He's uh, putting his hands on a, a model who's obviously got the same agent. Who's, she's been around uh, a little while, only recently, but all of a sudden you start reading about her name's uh, Gigi Hadid. Uh, they fueled romance rumours. There is no romance. It'll be something that'll be, OK, would you like to be seen with her? She's got the same agent. Can we sort of, you know, pretend then it gets her publicity and you? But every time you see Lewis Hamilton, he just looks uncomfortable. He just looks uncomfortable. Apparently they also went to the Cannes Film Festival, so they go out twice. That's how the publicity machine works, which reminds me to mention my book again, so you want to be a celebrity. That's what it's all down to. It's all down to publicity. And once you get the notorious, you know, amount of publicity, or you become notorious through things that you've done, and you've got to do something. It's no good just appearing on a reality show. That's not quite enough nowadays. I think people have got wise to it. You have to be able to do something or link up with somebody who's a little bit more famous, and that way then you can probably get something else. That's when the, the money starts coming in. But it doesn't last, as poor Lauren Goodger has discovered. And... Uh, and there was another piece that they were talking about. They've got um, another one of these uh, cooking programmes on the television. I'm not really in favour of cooking pro- I'm not really a fan of them. I, I don't really care about cooking programmes. But they were talking about um, the fact that it's coming back again. It's not, the, it's not Ready, Steady, Cook. It's uh, the cooking thing where they put lots of celebrities on. But they can't find any celebrities this time round. So they've ended up with Sarah Harding... And a few other people. And they go, oh, it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Celebrity MasterChef. Here we go. Uh, they say, girls allowed singer turned Cory actress. Nobody's seen her yet. Nobody knows whether she can act for Toffee. Sarah Harding. An ex-pussycat doll, Kimberly Walsh. Obviously no work in America. Uh, will be uh, taking on Strictly Come Dancing professional Natalie Lowe. Pfft, mean anything to me at all. Uh, also, former EastEnders Scott Maslin. Ex-Emmerdale actress Cherie Murphy. My God, the last time she was in Emmerdale was donkey's years ago, wasn't it? Tom Parker from The Wanted. Big Brother's Rylan Clark. And uh, Most Haunted, and God knows she looks like it, Yvette Fielding. I mean, it just sounds like car crash television. Just keep Sarah Harding away from the booze and you should be OK. Or failing that, give her the booze. Make it a more entertaining programme. What a dreary line-up. Sarah Harding. They go, oh, they're really looking forward. It's like the other day they were saying, and don't worry, because in... In the dancing programme, the Strictly Come Dancing, which is coming up, they've, uh, they've managed to sign, apparently, Richard Maidley. Try and keep him away from it. He's got to get some sort of income. At the moment, it's very low on the ground, isn't it? And, uh, and Peter Andre. How embarrassing. How the mighty have fallen. You know, Peter, whose, uh, whose reality show was dropped because of lack of Pete doing anything interesting at all, apart from Pete goes and meets his fans, Pete has a cup of coffee, Pete plays with children, Pete takes a camera crew onto the beach. And that was it. That was Peter Andre. It was, it's, it's as dull as dull can be. And so then they thought, let's get him something else. So then they gave him 60-minute makeover, which wasn't 60 minutes. It took a week to film because Pete didn't have the faintest idea about anything. They put him in a pair of dungarees, which made him look like he was an extra from Bob the Builder. And then after that, they, they got a programme where he wasn't even the presenter. He was just one of the people on it where they sort of have people and their pets. And Peter Andre was on there. And obviously his, his agent, who's lovely, must be wringing her hands. What can we get him on? Uh, the dan- You're going to do the dancing, Pete? Oh, I know about that. You know, perhaps he can go there and perhaps we'll have his children sitting in the audience because they love a bit of exploitation, don't they? All these celebrities, they love putting their kids in the audience. It was like when uh, 
Poor little old Chloe Maidley. There was a career that went vast like that, didn't it? Didn't go anywhere. And uh, turning up every week at the Dancing on Ice programme were Richard and Judy. She didn't look like she knew where she was. She was sitting in the audience, staring into the distance. Judy, over here, over here. And Richard was sort of there, and so now he's going on to it. I mean, it's quite ghastly, really, isn't it? They do have a normal son, incidentally, who's very nice. But uh, it's just that Chloe's a little bit desperate. A little bit desperate. Uh, 84850, Steve at uk. A lot of people inquiring about um, about where you, uh, where you go nowadays to find the most celebrities. And uh, I couldn't tell you. I don't think there's any hard and fast rule about where the celebrities go. Because the sort of celebrities who go out deliberately to be seen are the sort of celebrities that you don't want to, to hang around with. Because it's always the Z... You know, you don't want to go anywhere where there's anybody from TOWIE. And I was hoping at the wedding of the day uh, to see loads of Towie people. But so far, the only names they've mentioned are Lydia Dim, wearing another one of those hideous outfits, and poor little Arge. I mean, where was that career going? Answer, straight down. Straight down. Coming up to uh, 5.30 this Tuesday. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 29 minutes to 6. It is Tuesday. The reason I, uh, The reason I tell you that it's Tuesdays because we've had the bank holiday and people get confused. People get very confused. Um, somebody went yesterday uh, with his girlfriend to visit Wentworth Woodhouse. And you can go and see the uh, the private apartments. You simply must visit. Oh, I've, I mean, I'm, I'm waiting to win the lottery, Adam. If I win the lottery, I might buy the house. Although they do say that if you, uh, if you buy the house for eight million... This is, it does feature on a, on a documentary looking at some lavish houses. I cannot remember what the, what the documentary is called. I've got it on DVD, and that's where I first heard of Wentworth Woodhouse, the house which we have to absolutely save for the nation. I don't want it to go to some Russian oligarch or somebody like that. I really don't. I don't want anybody to touch it. I want it to be owned by the National Trust, and I want them to pump money into it. And it, by God, it's going to take money. Eight million to buy it, 50 million to shore it up and make sure it's there. Um... It's, it's fantastic. I've seen all the interiors. I've seen the rooms. I've seen the rooms that are falling down. I've seen all of that kind of stuff. And I'm, the, the more you see it, the more you fall in love with it. And the more you think, my God, we've got houses like that in this country and we have to preserve them. We have to preserve them. I thought that what they were going to do was set up a trust fund to try and look after it. Couldn't they invite people to buy shares? Couldn't we all buy shares in it? I, I quite like that idea. And um, I did not find plenty to eat at the Twickenham Fair, little Julie. She says, oh, did you save yourself for the curry? I saved myself for the curry. Because I got there, I did wander around. I saw a tea stall, there were lots of cake things. And I'm not a huge cake fan. I, I, this was the Twickenham Fair yesterday, which had lots of, in fact, I think, three stalls devoted to diabetes. How useful was that? And there were cakes and there was books and records and, and things like that. But I didn't, I didn't see any burgers and I, I quite fancied a burger, but I didn't get it. But nice to see you looking very well, very well yesterday. And uh, Kem says, couldn't agree with you more about the cyclists on the pavements. I saw one nearly fall off the cycle. And whilst I felt really sorry for him initially, I then realised he was on his phone. I know. We've all fallen off bicycles before now. I've fallen off bicycles on many of a time. Uh, if I had a lock of Mozart's hair, says Richard, I'd hang on to it and wait for the day you can buy a DNA transfer kit from Boots. I've always wanted to play the piano. Yes, I wonder. That's why Jurassic Park was of such interest to people. Because they made it sound that if you found an old insect or some bones of a, of a prehistoric animal, you could extract the DNA and then recreate it. And that's why when, when they say, you have a T-Rex, 
And Richard turns to him and goes, we have a T-Rex. And that's why it, it became almost believable. We all believed in it, didn't we? I, I quite liked the idea of believing that you could recreate Jurassic Park. I mean, I got quite excited uh, quite a number of times, actually, over the past few years, especially when they keep mentioning woolly mammoths. These were little elephants which were covered in hair, and they said that they'd found one preserved in ice in Siberia. And I got really excited. Thinking, They've got a woolly mammoth. They found a woolly mammoth. I mean, it's actually there. It fell into a bog or something, and it drowned. And then because of the mud, it was preserved. And then the other one got stuck in the ice. Because, I mean, must- when you think about it, I mean, they should, in theory, be finding bones of prehistoric, you know, animals all over the place. Trafalgar Square here, rhinoceroses used to stroll across there. Thousands and thousands of years ago, they, they found loads of bones of rhinoceros and stuff like that. And it, it would have been fascinating. But I just wanted to see a woolly mammoth. And when I saw this picture, I was quite disappointed. Just looked like a small elephant. Didn't look like a woolly mammoth at all. Whereas I was expecting some enormous thing. But they weren't, they weren't that big. They were sort of the smaller. The smaller thing. Um, morning from Vienna. Paul Hollingdale's diary. Rude customers. He says, I thought you may be interested to hear about the kebab shop owner in Vienna, who was so sick of rude and unfriendly customers that she's decided to do something about it. Dugai Ikal, who is the 27-year-old operator of a kebab and pizza stand near the football stadium, came up with the idea of selling cheaper food to those who were prepared to say please and thank you when placing their orders. The lady said she was shocked by how rude customers were. Some Viennese are noted for being notoriously unfriendly. Ms. Eichel says, I wanted to change things. So I created a new price list. Someone who just says, give me a kebab, is charged around £2.70 for the food things. Anybody who demands kebab has to pay £2.83. And if an individual barks loudly, kebab, that's £3.18 for their meal. The ploy seems to have worked. And the owner says, although she hasn't actually dramatically increased her takings, she's happy that the customers are much nicer now. I used to go to a, a Wurst stand in Vienna, uh, which was uh, just off, uh, not the Kertnerstrasse, it was off Taubstummengasse, which is up towards the ORF pool, where um, one of the churches is at the bottom, uh, before you go into uh, the underground station there. And I only discovered that the lady was English when I sort of stumbled through my broken German to order uh, a Kaiserwurst, which is cheese inside the sausage, because I became addicted to them. It's very easy to become addicted to their sausages. And I believe that the Wurst stands take in the most money. And so I stumbled through it and she went, do you want the cheese sausage? And I went, oh, you're British. It, it always becomes a big surprise. And she married an Austrian years ago. She probably doesn't even have it anymore. But uh, I then sort of became her best customer because I would go there every day and buy her, her sausages, because I just thought they were lovely. But apparently it was the biggest thing. The guys from the, uh, the Austrian equivalent of the AA, which is the UAMTC, uh, used to bring in sausages in the morning when I was doing the breakfast show over there on their radio. And they would bring in, and hot Wurst sausages with, I mean, with scent was just, it was the ultimate, as far as I was concerned. It didn't get any better, actually. Shame it doesn't happen here. Anyway, uh, Steve... Uh, I had to find a phone number quite quickly, so I phoned one of these numbers, you know, the one one what's it things, and uh, it says, to my horror, it cost twelve pound eighteen for a three minute call. If that, is it really? You see, I do, do you remember years ago we used to dial directory inquiries. We don't do that anymore, do we? I mean, if if I want a number, 
for something, I tend to go onto my phone, I go onto Safari, I go onto Google, I type in the name of the firm, and up comes the number. I don't think I've dialed... I wouldn't dial directory inquiries now. I really wouldn't. LBC years ago bought a reverse phone directory. Have you ever heard of such a thing? They are available to buy, uh, I think, for people in the, in the business. And the reverse phone directory, normally... Uh, in the phone directories, which we all used to have at home, and used to find them in the phone boxes, people old enough to remember, and you'd flip through trying to find... You know, the writing was so tiny, I couldn't read anything now. And um, and you would find the address, and there would be the phone number. Well, in the reverse phone book, it had the number first. So if you knew somebody's number, but you didn't know where they lived, you'd find the number, and then corresponding would be the address. Good. Anyway, if they're going to charge these kind of rates, I must repeat that uh, when you first get connected, it really shouldn't be allowed. Because they do say, don't they, is this the phrase that you have to say no thank you? When they say, shall I put you through, you have to say no. Because uh, somebody paid about £315 for a 35-minute call. Well, I mean, you see, I've given out the hard and fast rules on that one. If they say, shall I put you through, no. No, because you're still at the premium rate. So you don't. You, you put the phone down, you do it yourself. But I've, I, haven't, I haven't called any of these numbers to ask somebody for a number because I've got Google. If Once you've got Google, why would you ever want to need to call a director inquiry? Ridiculous. Michael says, we live in Staining. Oh, that's right, near Brighton, isn't it? Every weekend, lycra crad, bandy-legged, morons on bikes, blocking the roads, the lanes, and smelling of horse liniment. Lovely village in the South Downs, but ruined by these people. They're obsessed. We have them around our way. Around uh, Kingston, we have lots of cycles, and they're generally two abreast. Sometimes they're three abreast, and those I find very difficult to actually get past. But they, they're all out there. It's obviously an obsession. Cycling must be an obsession. It's like people playing golf. People playing golf was always an obsession. And, uh, and I, I never quite got into it. I know lots of people in the business who... Um, who sort of enjoy playing golf. I can't understand it. I, don't, I really don't understand it. Mind you, I don't understand chess. So there's no point. Uh, morning, Steve. A woolly mammoth, says Andrew, just looks like an elephant with a wig on. <laughs> Lovely. And uh, apparently the previous owner of Wentworth Woodhouse uh, died a little while ago. He took the coal board to court three times at the cost of a million quid each time. He won the case on the third attempt and was awarded money, but that'll be swallowed up by the foundation repairs. Well, the whole house underneath is uh, honeycombed by coal mining tunnels. That was all down to Manny Shinwell. Ghastly piece of work. Ghastly piece of work. And uh, he didn't like the family. They didn't like him. And so he mined under their house. And uh, there are pictures. I seem to remember, though, that uh, this house is two houses. I'm sure there's another one that backs onto it. Or was that somewhere else? I'm, I'm pretty certain, somewhere in the back of my mind, there were two houses. Whatever it is, it's the most beautiful place. And uh, it'd be like somebody saying, we're going to put the Tower of London up for sale and it'll be bought by a Russian. And you go, no, no. Uh, Franz says, the woolly mammoths were huge, bigger than modern elephants. The preserved ones were just babies. But it, they, you'd think there'd be loads of them, wouldn't you? You would think that there would be loads and loads of, of woolly mammoths all over the place. There's kind of just been a few of them, really. Katy Perry says, neither she nor her cat have heard a squeak out of Russell Brand. If only we thought the same. If only, Katie, we didn't have to hear anything about Russell Brand, the champagne socialist, the idiot of the cycling world. Not... Uh, the man who lives in a £2 million flat and yet tells poor people... Well, they're not really, are they? Another load of champagne socialists how to live their lives. More fool him. He didn't know anything at all, did he, about voting or about politics or about anything at all, not even making people laugh. Uh, Jeff Hall, writing from Surrey, says it comes as no surprise that three-year-old Lucy Wilding was dragged 12 feet by a cyclist on a footpath who then rode off 
I've seen cyclists ride on pavements with little regard to pedestrians. I've been hit crossing the road at traffic lights several times when the green man gave me right of way. If cyclists misbehave, maybe a system of cycle tax and insurance. Good God, I've been saying that for 30 years. You're on the road and on the back of your bike there is a little thing that says you have paid tax. Why shouldn't cyclists pay tax? They're on the roads. They're on the roads. They're good moaning about there are potholes all over the place. You know, they, why shouldn't they get out there? The money you can raise from cyclists. Maybe it should be, if it's 200 plus for a car, sometimes a little bit less, I realise. Uh, how about 50 quid to ride a cycle? If you don't have it and the police don't see a little plate at the back, then, uh, then they take your cycle away and they crush it. Seems perfectly normal to me. Just going out there, buying a, buying a bicycle and then sort of going out on the road and jumping traffic lights. If, admittedly, it's in the early hours of the morning and there's no traffic in any particular direction, well, then it's obviously OK to go over a traffic light. But if it's green and you're all crossing, I've noticed just down, just down from here, just near Trafalgar Square, uh, only occasionally do you get people who jump traffic lights. But woe betide you if you say to them, excuse me, excuse me, red traffic light, red traffic light, and they just look at you, you know, just just like you're stupid. Just like you're stupid. Uh, 84850, Steve at uk, and uh, we shall weave everything in on the programme. Come around to some of, the, uh, some of the other papers. I like the idea that pizza, which is really bad for you, it's all right in little tiny amounts, you know, once a month pizza, but not all the time. Uh, they're now in the supermarkets trying to come up with more and more exotic flavours of pizza. And the latest one, which doesn't actually sound that exotic to me, is is chicken curry. Well, I can eat chicken curry quite easily. I'm not sure whether or not I like it on, on a pizza, but I see no reason why you can't. We have chicken curry pies, don't we? So why should we not have a, a chicken curry pizza? They do all sorts of things. We had some pizzas in a pub a short while ago. The producer of our sports programme sort of bought pizzas for all of us. And I have to be honest... You know, very nice for him to buy it, but it was the worst pizza I'd ever eaten in my life. Can't have cost them but threepence to put together. 60 seconds in the paper with Bradley Walsh, the all-rounder. Starred in Law and Order, hosts the quiz show The Chase, and is in the new comic drama Suntrap. He's 54. It's not possible. It's not possible. But uh, his favourite pirate is, uh, is uh, Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean. And uh, Kevin McNally, who plays Mr Gibbs in The Miz a Friend. He also likes the Errol Flynn movies. He says, I want to be the first person to play a role in an iconic West End stage musical. I get offered so many to go in after they've opened, but I've been busy and haven't been able. He said, I'd like to have a big one to come into town. I bought the uh, other day, Bradley, the uh, West End recording of Gypsy with Imelda Staunton. It's as good as everybody says it is. I can't wait. I can't wait to uh, to actually uh, go and see it. I've got tickets for it. And we're going to go and see Carman as well, which is another programme. You don't want to miss any of these things. They come into town and it's, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. There's so many good shows in town at the moment that you are spoilt for choice. And as the weather gets worse and worse, what better than going and sitting in a theatre? Apparently, Steve, the agents are so dim on one of these uh, phone sites, it's usually quicker to search the entire phone book for a number. Well, they're just sitting in front of a computer, aren't they? It's uh, it's as simple as that. People just sort of, you know, they just type it on a computer. You can do the same on Google. Much, much easier. Much, much easier. Quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's 11 minutes to six. Nick Ferrari and the team with you for breakfast this morning on LBC. And um, 
I often look, says uh, says John, at Christian the Lion, which you got me to look at a few years ago. Yes, this was my uh, my favourite required reading book and subsequently a TV programme. And this was about Christian the Lion, who was bought from Harrods. In the days when Harrods' proud boast was they can get you any pet you wanted. And so this uh, this pair of Australian boys wanted to buy a lion. So they bought a lion cub called Christian. And they had a shop called Sophisticat in World's End, in Chelsea. And Christian would sit in the window. Which you can imagine, people going past on a bus and going, Mummy, Mummy, look, a line in a window. <laughs> Stop it. Stop being so silly, telling fibs. No, there really was a line in the window. They used to take him out in their car. They'd take him for exercise. But uh, like all good lion cubs, Christian grew and grew and grew. And uh, eventually, they decided that they couldn't really keep him in London anymore. They had to go and put him back into the wild. So they thought they would put him back into the wild to uh, to see how he would cope. It was a, it was a bit of an experiment. So with the help of uh, of Joy Adamson and the Born Free Foundation, Christian was uh, was was taken out of the country and back to Africa. And uh, the boys went with him and uh, and off he went and they were hoping that he would find his own little sort of group of lions and he might forget that he had human owners at one time and uh, just become a proper lion again. And eventually Christian wandered off to start a family, which was quite a, quite a big thing, actually. And the boys went back some years later to see if they could find out what happened to Christian. And they went to a, a favourite place and a lion walked towards them. And they weren't sure if this lion... <laughs> This light was Christian. They were pretty certain it was Christian, but they weren't too sure. And Christian looked at them and then recognised who they were. And in this beautiful film uh, about Christian the Lion, which is on DVD, he bounds towards them and throws himself at them. So that you can imagine the weight of this lion. <laughs> but uh, he's so delighted to see them because all of a sudden something clicked in his mind. It was a very touching story. And of course, a true story. And you can watch it. I think it's on YouTube. It's all over the place. The story of Christian the Lion, the lion who went from being exercised in London to going back. When they went back the next time, they didn't see Christian. And they weren't sure what had happened, whether he'd been shot by poachers or anything else. Uh, Noreen says, 60-minute makeover. When a neighbour of ours was selected, they actually started the day before. On the actual day... About 20 people arrived at 6.45. By 7 o'clock, there were 20 people queuing for breakfast in the canteen they'd built. Uh, no, Brian didn't join the queue. That's the, the, the long-suffering other half. Uh, they worked all day. The family arrived home 6 o'clock, but ITV was still doing things for weeks after. It wasn't a Peter Andre one. It was the, the one before. Says, uh, no, we've also not used directory inquiries for years. We Google numbers when we miss a call. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I've, I've used Google for... I mean, Google is my saving grace. I use it for everything. Absolutely everything. We, we were trying to find the uh, the story about Anne Boleyn's uh, hair slide, which we can't find anywhere. I'm determined to find it. At some point today, I shall find the thing and I shall come back in. Uh, and uh, Philip wants to know if Yvette Fielding is going to do celebrity chef thing. Will she do it in the dark? And will she, Oh, you'll probably find the bowl will be moving by itself. Everywhere Yvette Fielding goes, strange things happen. Like they bother filming it. Biggest load of old hocus pocus you've ever seen in your entire life. It is. It's just absolutely awful. It just makes so haunted. Kind of sums her up. Um, uh, Alan says Dan Crookshank took us on the tour of Wentworth. Dig out your DVD. It is lovely. He says there is a, a Save Wentworth. The latest on the efforts to save it and donate it to the charitable trust hoping to buy it. Just really, I mean, it's. 
If you had the money, you would. There's so many things you would do if you had money, ladies and gentlemen. You know, you, you, you get people and, uh, you know, got lots of money. And I don't want to highlight anybody in particular because I'm sure they've all got, uh, got something there. Um, and so when you look... When you look at, say, the Beckhams, they say they've got, you know, 200 million. Could they just put their hands in their pocket and do something? I mean, they could single-handedly build a hospital. That would be something, wouldn't it? That would be something nice, I think. I don't know. It could be wrong. Uh, 84850. I'm so glad, says Jason, that you mentioned Christian the Lion. One of the best moments on YouTube with the backing of Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You. You have to see it. If you do nothing else today, <laughs> and there might be a day where you don't do anything else, dig out Christian the Lion on YouTube and have, 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 have a look at it. It's, it's the most touching thing you'll ever see. It's everybody's dream, you know, of having, you know, a lion called Christian. That was, that was the thing. But he, he grew and grew and grew. And, uh, Steve, I love you talking about Vienna. My husband was adopted a baby. When we found his birth mother, uh, she worked for Blue Danube Radio. And we have happy memories of visiting her in Vienna. She's very frail now, but I listen to you every morning, says Susan. We now live in Norfolk. I get lots of people listening to this programme in uh, Norfolk. Uh, Caroline says, I really enjoyed Katie Hopkins yesterday. She did, however, make me wince whilst telling us about her £14 baby she'd given birth to. <laughs> I did miss, actually. Yes, I, I shall play her on uh, on catch-up. But I know she uh, she got through a lot of calls yesterday. It's amazing, actually, isn't it, how you've turned yourselves around from absolutely hating Katie Hopkins to... Uh, she's it's a, she's an interesting person to have an argument with. I always... If, you know, given the choice, I would definitely go for an argument with... Uh, yeah. with, with Kate, oh, sorry. With sort of Katie Hopkins. And um, my nan was asked a few times, says Michael Dennis, who is the uh, who is the black cab poet, as you know... Uh, if they could film the bill in her flat in Collierswood, she always declined their offer. God, you see, I'd have loved something like that. If you had a, if you had a property like Wentworth Woodhouse, and I believe, I think Bridget told us yesterday that in fact they have, they have filmed something there. There's something I think currently on television. If you haven't heard about the house, please check it out on Google. It makes you your little heart pound when you realise that we might lose... I don't want to lose it to a Russian oligarch. I've got nothing against them, but I think things like this are quintessentially British, and I think we need to hang on to it. It's like seeing all the Cunard liners. Did you see them the other day? We had them down in Southampton, and now they've done it again, I think up in uh, Hull. When you look at the size of these ships, if you won a bit of money on the lottery, you could buy one of these. It only cost about £560 million. But uh, to see all three of them there, and then they had the Red Arrows doing a fly-past with the coloured smoke... I mean, that really was, that was, things like that make you want to cry. Uh, Gary, he knows all about uh, cycling because he does cycling. He says, I agree, cyclists who jump red lights are complete idiots. However, recently I've noticed the number of car drivers uh, crossing traffic lights on red has risen massively. Absolutely. I've said so on the show many, many times. I've watched them. People, I've sat at red lights and the car's just gone straight over. And it's at times like that you want to sort of turn on your blue lights, your blues and twos, and go and pull them into the side of the road. Remember warnings about being an amber gambler? Yes, I mean, uh, amber is, is red, as far as I'm concerned. I've been crossing the road where the green man starts flashing, and the cars are edging towards you. Seriously, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. He said it's now routine to see two or three cars cross after the lights have changed fully to red, usually at high speed due to accelerating to beat the lights. It's always when the lights in the other direction are changing from amber to green to the extent it's now a rarity to see a car stop when approaching a changing light. Well, I'm always worried about the fact that they've got hidden cameras. Always. We have a little road next to Paul Cooper's shop in Twickenham, and it's a one-way street. The amount of cars... Seriously, in the course of a week, probably about six or seven cars driving the wrong way down it. So what they do... 
the boys in the shop always shout at them, illegal driver, illegal driver, and they point at them and say, there's a camera over the road, you'll be done. And it's amazing, I mean, there isn't, but it's amazing how many cars then reverse back up the road. Always provides endless entertainment, but people have an inability now. Malcolm says, I think you've said it all about cyclists, but I've had a few close encounters with disability scooters. Have you? I didn't think they went fast enough. They're also silent running, and if they approach you from behind, they can give you quite a scare. Especially if you're a bit hard of hearing. I know, that's the worst. Mobility scooters. I never thought about mobility scooters as being dangerous objects, but I suppose they are out there. And people drive... They don't drive them on the road, though, do they? I don't think they do. Uh, Steve, unfortunately, there are no philanthropists who give back some of their huge wealth for the common good these days, says H. I would like to think that somebody would. I would like to think that somebody would buy this house and open it, you know, get it all done up. There's, there's a few rooms there which are falling in. They've dropped by six inches because of the mining underneath. That could all be sorted out by pumping concrete in. It would have to be millions of tonnes of concrete. But that would then shore up the house. Then they could preserve it and then open it up, make it a tea shop, do all sorts of things with it. And we should go and visit it. We should be proud of it. We should be proud that we've still got something like that standing and it's not been turned into an estate. Something ghastly. Every time you see these estates, your heart drops, doesn't it? I appreciate the fact that people have got to live somewhere. But uh, there seems to be no, no sort of proper planning. Nobody thinks about the, the overall effect of these green belt, uh, which, are, which are disappearing. They're just disappearing. We were talking to somebody a short while ago who's got a private pilot's licence. And he flies over this green and pleasant land of ours on a regular basis. And... Um, and he says, you know, you look at it, he said, and gradually the green is disappearing to be replaced by housing estates. Horrible, horrible, horrible. There was that farmer a short while ago, do you remember? He turned down something like 300 million because he didn't want 10,000 houses built on his land. He said he couldn't do it. Couldn't, he'd rather be a farmer and turn down 300 million pounds, which I thought took, uh, took some going. Uh, still not too sure whether or not the Pope is telling a slight little porky pie about not seeing television. Wasn't he seen watching football? Wasn't he seen watching it? Didn't that make some of the newspapers? The back of my mind, I've got an image of the pontiff watching football. So, is he being entirely truthful? Gosh, you'd hate to think that the Pope was telling porky pies, wouldn't you? And uh, Anita Harris, the lovely Anita Harris, a wrong diagnosis of cancer. Coming up very shortly, news at six o'clock. It's LBC, it's Tuesday the 26th of May. Has Cliff Richard been driven into exile after he put his uh, flat on the market? Does he need to come back to this country now? Does he want to come back to this country? He must feel very let down, I should imagine. LA's gone wild for a dancing fat bloke. They fated him, they put him up in top hotels. It's everything, absolutely everything. The ice cream man and his benefits con. He can, of course, pay it all back because you don't find a poor ice cream man. Uh, the Beckhams out for a day on the river, separate boats. The Wolverine killers last text. The obesity strategy is failing and Noel Gallagher rules out an oasis reunion. They just don't like each other. Oh, and rain and gales heading our way. That's not Gale from Coronation Street. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. On FM, online, on your mobile and on digital radio. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC. This is LBC. Leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen. 
on LBC. Morning, everybody. Yes, your bank holiday is finished now. I'm terribly sorry to ruin the day for you, but the good news is it's a short week. You've only got to do Tuesday through Friday, and then we're back with it. But there's going to turn, they say, having sort of decided that the weather yesterday actually wasn't too bad at all. Uh, lots of your texts and emails to get through. And uh, somebody telling me a couple of months ago I was delivering props for a film called The Rain Collector, uh, and they were filming at Wentworth Woodhouse. The grounds are stunning. There's a huge stable block and courtyard. Wouldn't it be lovely if they converted some of it into, not the main house, but in, in the stable block into flats or houses? And people could live. Imagine living up there. Imagine meeting somebody in a bar and saying, do you want to come back to my place? And you pull in the drive, and there is this huge mansion. How impressed would they be? Five past six. Lots of that uh, between now and 6.30 this morning. Uh, also, the Beckhams, picture in the paper. They have suffered from a dearth of publicity recently. In fact, they haven't featured in the papers for ooh, about three hours, I think. Anita Harris is in a lot of the papers. Uh, she's talking about a, a diagnosi- diagnosis that she had when she thought she had cancer. And it turns out she didn't. It was a wrong diagnosis. Now, I've heard of this before. So we'll come around to her a little bit later on. There's also the little boy, Footy Mad, eight... He, uh, one of the uh, the players, this is Preston star Jermaine Beckford, takes his shirt off, throws it in. This little boy catches it, gets it, and then this woman comes over and takes it off him. And she's pictured in all the papers today. Quite a horrible person. And uh, this little boy's going, no, it's mine. Give it to me. Give it. And she takes it from him. And, um... It's a shame. I mean, Lancashire Police confirmed that the Football Intelligence Unit will be examining the incident, although no crime has been reported. I mean, she's, we know who she is. She's a 31-year-old mother of two from Manchester. The moment she got it, it was up on Gumtree for £1,500. But it was his. Anyway, the football club have been very gracious. And they've said, don't worry. Nasty lady, take your shirt. We'll give you another one. And so he seems, uh, he seems fairly happy with that one. Um, I can't find out how many celebrities were at the wedding of the day. Uh, it just seems to be... Um, um, it was, oh, God, I'll tell you who else turned up to it. Lydia Dim, James Argent, and that convicted thug Jack Tweed. You remember Jack Tweed, don't you? In and out of prison for thuggery. And he turned up there. That was a bit down market, wasn't it? Thought they'd have seen that one coming, but I gather he is one of his best friends. I shall rest my mouth on that one, I think. Uh, there's uh, pictures on the paper of the earliest colour photos ever taken. And these are of samurai warriors. Just even looking at them, they look frightening. I can go to the V&A Museum, which I did the other day, and they've got some original samurai warrior masks and uh, body armour. Frightening in the extreme. Seriously, you see a whole army of people, you know, wearing that. You're going to be turning on your tail and running. You really are. Uh, The traffic din. If you live on a road and you get a lot of traffic din, um, that can give you a pot belly. You've got to be able to hear the traffic din. I've got no idea why. Waste measurements go up by a fifth of a centimetre. Hardly worth bothering, is it? That's like water retention. Uh, for every extra five decibels from neighbouring railways, flight paths or busy roads. So all those people about to buy a, a flat uh, opposite the railway line and over the, rail, over the road from the railway station in Twickenham, looked after by young Brian, uh, you're going to increase your waist size. Doesn't sound very promising, does it? Not at all. Uh, Deirdre Barlow's ghost is going to haunt the rover's return. Surely not. Apparently her presence will be felt as Steve and Michelle McDonald talk about her death. Lord, that's good. And uh, here she is. This is um, Danielle Lloyd, who laughingly thinks she's a model. But, of course, her, her modelling consists of standing in the sea in a bikini, looking fairly vacant. But that's been her expression for some years now. They call her a glamour model, but I don't think anybody's bothered asking her for years. And um, 
she's now going to have her tattoo tribute to her footy star removed. And that is the story. That is how desperately sad the story is. More on the uh, the killer who sent the sec- uh, a text to seven pals and then took his own life. This is Jed Allen, found by a member of the public. The police didn't find him. He was found by a member of the public. And uh, he texted seven friends, urging them to call the police, even though he didn't realise that we knew already. And uh, the police were called to Vicarage Road in Didcot to discover the bodies. And then a member of the public found his body in Woodland off uh, the Marston Road. And that's in all the papers today. More on um, more on Britain's Got No Talent Whatsoever. And uh, this is at the Wembley Studios. Billy and Emily England, dancers Ruby Red and singer Lorraine Bowen, had rehearsal time for the live semi slashed uh, because of a bomb scare. And that's the, that's the extent. The fact that all these people you know, are nothing to do with this country. I mean, the Skating Act is a circus act. It's a professional circus act. And uh, Lorraine Bowen is a professional act. She's worked the pubs. She's brought out her own CDs and DVDs and stuff like that. It's making a mockery of the programme because you might as well just go round theatres and find singers, people who sing professionally for a living. That's the only way you can, you can do it. Uh, more on uh, Vic and Dave out uh, boating. And... Um, and Victoria looking as miserable as sin because she was in a boat almost by herself because I don't think she talks to people. I mean, she didn't look as though she was having a great time. She's got her knees under her chin. She looks so miserable. I feel very sorry for her. Uh, the story that we told you at the beginning of the programme of the jobless mum of four. I mean, to be honest with you, really, I think perhaps, you know, why, why these people should be allowed to have children? I've got no idea. But she spent £20,000 of child benefits on cosmetic surgery. I'd rather see her working, wouldn't you? I'd rather get these people working. That's what we're hoping for with uh, with Mr Cameron. He's told us that they're going to start cutting back on all these things and start seeing, sorry, uh, start seeing some evidence of it because otherwise it's just driving us mad, isn't it? People going out there and they're not working, taking all these benefits. Uh, then we had the Eurovision Song Contest and I think we're all of a like mind. We've all decided that there's no point in us ever entering again because whoever is voting for these groups to uh, represent us at the BBC hasn't got the faintest idea about music. Not a clue. Because systematically we lose, we lose, we lose. I mean, nobody had even heard of the ones this year. And you won't hear of them again. They will now disappear. They were just assembled for it. And who does it? The BBC. They do it secretly. I mean, it makes you wonder whether or not it's just a giant freebie now. You don't need to send anybody out there. You can do it all by watching televisions in this country. You know, it was it was fine when Terry Wogan did it. He just went out and said, oh, Wogan, watching the thing. Here's a little little number from Romania. And he'd make the joke about it. Now there's an army of people who go out there. You don't need them out there. They don't need to do it. Not necessary. Uh, 84850, steve at uh, One from uh, Rebecca, who says, I've just watched Christian the Lion went from waking to bursting into tears in about uh, about ten seconds. What an introduction to the day. Yes, it's the effect the Steve Allen programme has on people. <laughs> you can go from being terribly happy to all of oh, God, believe it. I'm terribly unhappy about the whole thing. Uh, Howard says uh, uh, the Pope watches Emmerdale, so I've heard. He says he's not w- turned on a television in 25 years, but I'm sure, I am quite sure that he's watched football before. I'm sure. I, don't, I mean, I, I, I might be getting it wrong, but I'm pretty certain. Prisoner Bronson is a gent. A lawyer for Britain's most dangerous prisoner. I mean, this is just a... It's a bit of self-attention-seeking here. This is somebody called Charles Bronson. It's not his real name. It's like a little pen name for him. He's been attacked... He's attacked more than 20 jail staff, taken 11 hostages, done... He's too violent to mix with other cons. He's just an attention-seeking idiot. 
Nobody really cares about him. But apparently, uh, last week, a prison dog handler got a payout after the armed robber went berserk. His lawyer says, I saw him many times and he's always respectful, courteous and a perfect gentleman. He uses the money from his paintings to help charities. He's really not all bad. It's pathetic, really. The, the, the rumblings of this pathetic I- individual go on and on and on. Nobody cares. Nobody really cares. He's in there. Let him rot in there, as far as we're concerned. Nobody cares at all. Um, there's a picture of uh, model Kendall Jenner, who's wearing Lewis Hamilton's gold chain as the reality star's mum pushes her to romance him. I think they're all pushing poor old uh, Lewis Hamilton. I don't think he's interested. I don't think he's interested in going out with anybody at all, apart from himself, judging by some of the ridiculous outfits he's wearing at the moment. I don't think anybody could really be seen with him, could you? I mean, I, I don't think that's, uh, that's right. Uh, there's also... Uh, police have warned kids of ten years old. I bet you later on on LBC today they'll be talking about this. Um, kids of ten are sex-texting. And... You know, when I was ten years old, nobody ever had telephones. Probably just we had to do a drawing and give it to somebody. It didn't have the same impact. But they, I think, I think the police now they've launched eighteen investigations into children who forwarded images last year, sex texts about themselves. Uh, a ten-year-old primary school pupil was visited by Northumbria police after he sent shocking snaps of himself to an eleven-year-old through an online app called. Well, I'm not going to tell you what it's called. Another lad, aged twelve had texted X-rated images of himself to an 11-year-old girl, and a girl from the area told how boys had been sending her disgusting photos through the Snapchat app. The teenager, who didn't realise that the messaging was illegal, says some of the pictures were absolutely disgusting. See, I didn't realise that this went on, but then I suppose you have to realise that as part part of the social media, people do things like this. I can't think of anything worse. But uh, if the police are having to investigate pupils as young as 10 years old sending pictures, you can't help feeling the whole thing has just got horribly out of hand. Still to come, the bully dancer's celebrity party. Yes, fat bloke goes to America and dances. Nothing clever about it, but the uh, Americans absolutely love it. This is the tubby Brit, mocked by web bullies for dancing. He then had a star-studded weekend in the States. Loads of people rung the celebs honouring Sean O'Brien, 46... Um, he's, he's quite, he's quite fat, actually. In fact, he's very fat. He'll be lucky to sort of make it through to Christmas, if you believe all the fat programmes that you see on the television, where they have lots and lots of fat people, and they say, if you keep eating at this rate, you're putting a strain on your heart, you're not going to live very much longer. But the Americans seem to like him. But there again, the Americans have a huge obesity problem. You've only got to watch some of their food programmes to realise that they must be eating thousands upon thousands of calories all the time. I mean, I find it unbelievable. So he had a heavy night and uh, he threw the first pitch at the Dodgers baseball game. Uh, he parted with DJ Moby and Monica Lewinsky. Oh, watch her. She's got track record. Watch Monica Lewinsky. Don't hang around with her too much. And um, people were cheering when he went. Why would you cheer somebody like that? Is it because when, when somebody fat tries to dance, it looks a bit like the roly polies and we quite like things like that? Is, is that what it is? I can't think of any other reason why we would sort of say to somebody, yes, come over to America. So that they paid for his flights over there. And they all fated him and they were going, yeah, you're marvellous and everything. Is it because he's funny? Is he an object of fun? There was another guy who went to do, I think, the Ohio team. They had their, their big band. Ohio State University have got this marching band, which is incredible. I mean, it, it is absolutely a work of art. And I can't remember if they've ever visited London. We've had lots of marching bands 
from America, but I don't think we've had the Ohio people there. I mean, they really are a band worth watching. Again, YouTube is the place to go. 16 minutes past six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 6.20 is the time. Anne Boleyn, executed by a Frenchman. Yes, they brought a, a French swordsman over. It's, we can't find anywhere on the internet this uh, hair clasp story. And I, I know it's true because I've read it on numerous occasions, but we can't find it at the moment. And I know that somewhere this hair clasp exists. So when she mounted the scaffold, they pinned her hair up, they put this hair clasp on. The French swordman had a bit of a bad time. Whether he was drunk, as most of them were, I don't know. But I think they actually tried a few times to actually sever her head. And I think in the end, I'm pretty certain it was her, they had to use a knife. So it was all, all a bit messy and gory, as it would have been in those days. And, um, and then her maid, who was with her on the scaffold, I think then took the hair clip off. And that's when it was, it was secreted somewhere else. And I'm sure it's turned up in a house somewhere. Pretty certain. Not just any old house. I think it's maybe a house she used to stay in. Uh, Brigitte... She said, I had to laugh at the way the skaters, you know, the skaters on Britain's Got Talent, have changed their surname to England to hide their circus background. They won the BBC talent show a few years ago. It's, but I'm right, though, aren't I? When we have a programme called Britain's Got Talent, the clue should be in Britain. If you can do Europe's Got Talent or European circuses have got talent, well, then it's different because they do have European circus championships. Now we've got them appearing on our television programmes, masquerading as just two people who decided to go roller skating, which, of course, is a load of old codswallop. These are professional acts. Totally professional acts working over there. So they've changed their name to England to hide the circus background because they're known in circus, you know, rings throughout the world. Alan says, Deirdre's ghost to stalk the rover. Steve, send in Yvette Fielding. And uh, we call mobility scooters go-ons. As they speed by at 30 mile an hour, we say, go on. <laughs> I don't see too many. There's, there's a few round our way which have got, um, they, they sit outside the pubs. It kind of defeats the object. I've seen people on mobility scooters who've got cigarettes on. Seriously, that can't be right, can it? Uh, Jack says, read the benefit cosmetic surgery woman. She's managed that by working cash in hand whilst claiming, because believe me, there's no way you can save up benefits without having another money source. She saved up £20,000 to have this cosmetic surgery. Cosmetic surgery. I mean, I, I can't believe it myself. And then we put them in the newspapers. And then the next thing is, she'll be a celebrity. It drives me mad. Don't even get me going, please. Uh, dreadful. There's no TV in our boat says Martin. I only miss factual history programmes and good drama that I see advertised on television at work. I do love, uh, I do love a good drama. I'm, well, generally speaking, I love a good, good drama. And then I got uh, loads of your uh, texts and emails. Uh, Jeff says, following on from your Christian the Lion conversation, as a child growing up in Harleston, my father had lions. There was a very famous place, and for the life of me, I cannot remember where it was, but it features in a book where I think years and years and years and years ago, and there was a guy who used to keep lions and exotic animals in his back garden in cages, and people would go there and buy them for circuses. Now, whether or not that was Harleston, I don't know. I can't even remember the name of it. Um, it's the sort of thing Bridget will know about. But I remember reading it in British Circus Life, Lady Eleanor Smith. And there they, they talk about where Rico used to go to buy his animals. Uh, Anna says, uh, charged with theft, named and shamed and banned. I wouldn't allow this woman to be in any position where she could steal again. This is the woman who took that, that football shirt off that young boy. He's only a young lad. Somebody wrote in and said, Steve, stole is too kind a word for this woman. She bullied a small boy. Yeah, I mean, I, I just dreadful thing to do, isn't it? 
What's he taking from a child? But, I mean, luckily, you know, they've been very nice about it, and they're going to give him another one of those shirts, so that's good. We're not totally convinced by the Pope's story this morning, and uh, one in five Britons cheat. There's a woman here, Karen Marley. She's dated around 200 married men, and she's currently got four full-blown affairs on the go. Good grief, honestly. I've had 200 affairs, she says. I never wreck a relationship. Ooh. I don't know, I'm not sure about that. Front pages of the papers. I know you want to know. That's why I shall tell you. Wolverine Killer's last text as his body is found. Quite clearly, somebody with a lot of mental illnesses going on here. And um, Kendall woos Lewis. As I say, I don't think Lewis is for settling down. I don't think he's that sort of person. Uh, The charity Mind called for an extra billion pounds for mental health services. Uh, this comes after a patient poll for the Sun revealed that 92% of people are in favour of them getting... I think all these charities should be given money, but it's such big business now, they can get all sorts of money from, from you, the great British public, because people buy into it, you know, because we're not, we're not getting the right thing. It's all these blasted planes coming in from abroad, bringing people in who are draining the resources of the NHS. 50-mile-an-hour winds are heading your way. It's going to be one of those, it'll be a case of batten down the hatches again. We've had it before, we shall probably have it again. And here's the Last Supper, a final family meal. 16 hours later, Geoffrey Spector ended his life at a suicide clinic. It was, uh, it was the, uh, the Dignitas Clinic. He had an inoperable tumour, there was nothing they could do about it, and he decided to go while he was, you know, feeling as he did. He didn't want to deteriorate, so he didn't know anything that was going on at all. Uh, front page of the Metro today... It's another picture of George Clooney, another picture of uh, George Clooney, another picture of George Clooney. And the twisted fan of blade-handed X-Men character Wolverine found dead yesterday after murdering his family in a knife attack. So four people now uh, now dead as a result of uh, one person. The Daily Express, your 10-step plan to prevent type 2 diabetes. They had a huge bloke on the telly the other day. I mean, he was huge. And uh, they were listing what he had, depression, even this and that and all the rest of it. And then they said, and he, he thought, he, he wasn't actually, but he was hoping that he wasn't going to get diabetes. And I thought, I mean, the first thing I looked at him, I thought to myself, you look as though you are diabetic, if, if not sort of way, way down the line. I just thought he, he looked as though he could have been diabetic, but he said he wasn't. Uh, allergy attacks will soar due to the spread of a notorious plant and uh, this plant is ragweed. I don't know if you're aware of ragweed. You need to check it out because it's, you know, I've been out a few times recently, not near ragweed, I hasten to add. I think it could be quite dangerous to pets as well. But um, I remember thinking I could feel something in the back of my throat. And the friend I was with at the time said, I can feel it too. He said, you can see this pollen in the air. I said, can you? I can't see anything, made blind as a bat. But uh, I could definitely feel it in the back of the throat, and I then thought, oh dear, I'm not going to go down with anything. Uh, front of the Daily Mail today, again, it's the Last Supper. This is Geoffrey uh, Spector sharing a final meal in Switzerland with his family and friends, including two of his daughters, and that's what he wanted to do. It's, uh, it's a heartbreaking story, but it could be any of us. It could be any of us, and that's what he wanted. He didn't want to wake up one morning and not have any any functions, any facilities. He wanted to know exactly what was happening to him. He didn't want to, uh, to not know what was going on. He said that, that would be absolutely dreadful. So he decided to do, you know, to do the, the, the decent thing as far as he saw it. 84850. Ron says, Lewis Hamilton's doing very well with the ladies, despite his garish outfits. He pulled some American model called Gigi Larson. No, he didn't. That's the trouble. Same agent, Ron. Same agent. They're trying to get coverage for her and for him. And the £100 in the bank. But he's boring. Have you seen him being interviewed? Woo! 
I don't know somebody could be that dull. But there again, he's just driving a fast car, isn't he, really? Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. The Times this morning have got the obesity strategy is failing and the best picture you'll ever see of the three queens. Cunard's Ocean Liners, Mary 2, Victoria and Elizabeth cruising down the Mersey to mark the company's 175th anniversary in a celebration that drew crowds of hundreds of thousands because they're quite majestic. If you've never seen these ocean liners... You know, you're looking at something really, really special. Really, really special. So I'm glad that there's nice pictures in the papers of that. Uh, Cooper woos women with childcare pledge. This is Yvette Cooper in The Independent. And the best test in years, England defeat New Zealand at Lords. Britain moving closer to the top of Apple. And for some reason, Stephen Fry. The company are building a campus uh, in California. What Stephen Fry's got to do with it, I've got no idea. Anyway, that's it for this morning. Thank you so much indeed for your company. It is Tuesday. You will remember that for the remainder of the day. You don't need to worry about anything else. It just means it's going to be a short week for you. We have a free podcast up for you every single day. Today will be no different at all. And uh, we'll be looking at those wonderful people we call celebrities. That'll be available to you. And uh, you can listen to LBC whenever and wherever you like. You can download the LBC app. If you missed any of today's show... There's the LBC podcast app, available on iPhones and Android phones, too. Go to lbc.co.uk. At 7 o'clock this morning, he's back after his bank holiday break. The ever-caring Nick Ferrari. But next, it's Lisa Aziz with the morning.